All right, everyone. Here it is. Finally, the last bit of grunt work podcast content that you're going to get. The second part of our grunt work series spectacular already in progress. Nothing better than starting the episode with, all right, everyone. (laughs) Your mom and I had a talk and uh, listen. (laughs) Hit the play button already. Boop. Okay, uh, let's let's veer away from talking about movies to um, the actual bulk of what we've talked about over the last seven years. Okay, so a, a part two of our finale is when we actually talk about the show that we have been making a podcast about for seven years. Folks, right to the very end, we've been true to our particular format. No, listen, as I said in the first part of this... This is the Grunt Work series spectacular, so it encompasses everything that we've covered, not just Home Improvement. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Because we we gave Grunt Work, or we gave Home Improvement its send-off with the Season 8 Super uh, Spectacular. Yeah, is This is Grunt Work. We're sending Grunt Work off. Yeah, yeah, we're putting Grunt Work on a uh, wooden raft and pushing it out into the lake and shooting a flaming arrow at it. (laughs) Can we trick it into think it's getting on a pedestal first and then, like kick the pedestal over and it turns out to be a raft that we kick into the water and send down the road. It, it just one final transition just for old times sake. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get into talking about some favorites. Um, yeah. Now our, our usual spectaculars, I give a list of, uh, you know, character actors who's appeared on that particular season cameos that mm-hmm. have appeared on that seat recurring character we, we've been, yeah. we've been it we've been there we've done it yeah um, and he's gonna do it for this one too so buckle yeah, in everybody for starting four in hours episode of one yes <laughs> uh, no i don't want to give a list of everyone because it's it would be impossible to go through everyone on every episode of home improvement. But I I thought we could start just by talking a little bit about our memorable and favorite character actors and cameos throughout the year. And maybe Mm -hmm. segue from that into recurring characters before we get into um, some of the more uh, heady stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's great. Let's save the headiness for later. Maybe that's for part three, depending on how long we talk about these guys. (laughs) And gals, <laughs> what? So, I, I think from very early on, we realized that the character actor game on this show—not the—not the character actor game that you and I play. Yes, but yes, just that's the, the ER game. The, the, the game of the casting director uh, casting the character actors on the show is was just uh, you know elite. What what what's a what's a term? Uh, S tier, maybe that's what kids were saying. S-tier? Like, yeah, that, six months is ago. Is that like yeah. a Capcom versus uh, Street Fighter? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. oh my god, yeah. that was the oldest I've ever sounded. Does <laughs> that say? Is that one of them Pac Mans that I've been hearing about? <laughs> ah, yes. When uh, when the Saturday Evening Post ranks its favorite types of Charleston <laughs> dancing, S tier is the highest one. Oh my god. You know, Ooh. I think I think that that Jonas Salk's polio vaccine is truly S tier. <laughs> that's not even that's not even a joke. That's a bomb ass vaccine. We're talking about character actors, uh, and and this show I think has shown that it has a a really good eye 
for not just someone who's going to come in and fill a role, but like who's going to be the best person to elevate that role to the, you know, uh, the, the level of the episode. Yes. Yes. The level cool. of the episode. Glad the, the air went out of that one. So I am well, no, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree. We agree. And we're in agreement. I think okay. the, the character actors they bring onto the show routinely, uh, punch well above their weight and really get yeah. the vibe of the show and, and elevate the bits that they're doing. I'm just ready to start talking about these folks. Uh, well, this time that was an invitation. Uh, so, who using an example of of who you think a memorable character actor is? Why do you think the character actors here are memorable more than well, other shows? Well, I don't know. I think that I think that part of I mean I don't know. If you look at at a character actor who went wound up becoming a recurring actor, I forgive me for not remembering his name, but the guy who plays the snooty waiter at the uh, at the Italian Vasili. restaurant that they always go to, Boglianos. Yeah, Oglianos or Vichilis? Bog B with a B B O G. Bo- Boglianos, yeah, Bicelli. I don't know, Bicelli. What are we? Bicelli what are we? Boglianos. Bis- <laughs> are, are we inventing a new character right now in our last episode of <laughs> one one final Bicelli insult Boglianos. to the Yeah, I, I I think that I think that the waiter in those episodes. I think that 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 character actor kind of. I don't know. He epitomizes, I think, what's great about the character actors who come on this show is they can immediately step into these kind of wild and very elevated uh, uh, characters and premises that are uh, mm-hmm. that are going on in this show. I mean, the fact that that this midwestern town inexplicably has a snooty French waiter living in it he uh, he completely rises to the occasion, <laughs> and he's got a steady stream of uh, deadpan, dry as hell one liners, and over the course of both his first appearance and then his subsequent appearances on the show, I guess more of a recurring actor really than a, than just simply a character actor. Or actually, no, maybe he is a character actor. I don't even know. Over the course of multiple appearances... <laughs> say, not us. <laughs> over the course of multiple appearances on the show, he develops out that character and builds more and more things into it and escalates the bit of him being this snooty waiter who yeah. kind of hates everyone who comes into the restaurant... And I think that that shows the way that, that Home Improvement kind of gave people, uh, who, even who were on the show briefly, some time to kind of uh, grow and uh, play with their roles. I, I want to give you a statistic here, uh, some data, the analytics. It's about that, gun uh, violence, so it might for something depressing. <laughs> this might blow your mind. Uh, Antonio the Waiter was in six episodes. Gee, that's a lot of episodes of the show. That That's not even the mind-blowing thing. He, I think, appeared, what was it, season, end of season five, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think so. Or it was, maybe it's the, season six, I can't remember. I think it, no, I think it's the end of season five, because it's that date with JTT and his first uh, serious girlfriend. And that girlfriend. wasn't at the end of six? That was at the end of five, because then okay. going into six, he has the girlfriend. Got it. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. So, uh, starting in season five, ending with six episodes by the end of season eight, there's a character actor, Al Fan. Uh, playing <laughs> Felix, the plumber. Yeah, who was in season one. Yeah, and appears in the the <laughs> the burning down the house music video. <laughs> uh, at the the end, he is also only in six episodes. Wow. The, okay, I'm sorry. My big takeaway is that the waiter should have also been in the burning down the house video. Like he's <laughs> he's just he's like got two dinner trays and he's just banging them together like symbols and frowning at everybody, <laughs> or at least stepping in at the very end, going "Oopa!" <laughs> uh, he, 
Yeah, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I no notes. I got no, more on this though. Yeah, go, go. Tell me more okay. about this. Well, th- this shows Elle Fan shows me an interesting thing with this show that I I can't quite put my finger on, which is they have a dedication to character actors of like remember in the 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 burning down the house thing which is yeah. our big like bring back everyone that we remember yeah uh they brought back the the saw player from mm-hmm. the first season so, like yeah. real the fans the casting director whoever it is they have like a a dedication to like you've been on the show you're part of the family we're going to you know anytime you want to come back maybe not anytime but when it makes sense <laughs> we're not going to forget about you i i know i want to be in the episode about jonathan taylor thomas getting cancer the the musical saw lady must weigh in on this <laughs> she's playing well, here, a mournful another... a sad song on her saw as jill waits for the test results here's another weird uh stat antonio the waiter six episodes appears more than China Kantner playing Willow Wilson. <laughs> Man, I forgot completely about Willow Wilson. I went through such a roller coaster with that lady. I you uh, did. You really did. I mean, yeah. Uh, just even in the course of it, just episode to episode, I'm loving her one scene. I'm hating her the next. Yeah. Um That that is that is really fascinating. I mean, do you? I, I don't know. With with the benefit of hindsight, what do you do? You mm-hmm. like how do you feel about Willow Wilson? Do you feel like there was more that we could have wrung from that uh, that particular uh, more blood from that stone? I I seem to remember saying this in the season seven, which is her season, um, super spectacular. Yeah. Which is, I, I'm not. I don't. I don't find her offensive. You know, I, I didn't have a the roller coaster that you did with her. I don't think a lot of her stuff works, but. I at least applaud the show for bringing a different vibe in, something new for them to react to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't, as I said, it didn't work, and I, I just appreciate that it wasn't like, well, time to bring a kid into the show. Well, time to you know get someone married and bring in you know uh, a wife. Yeah, it was it was like a different type of vibe than I feel like other shows would have gone with. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it was interesting, uh, sometimes it wasn't. And, uh, yeah, well, I don't know, just kind of an oddity. If only for one season. Yeah, only for one season and only for, I guess, five episodes. And then <laughs> and then also, like, when when Lisa, the tool girl, disappears at the beginning <laughs> of season three, Tim is at least yeah. kind enough to say she went back to school to be a paramedic or something like that. Whereas Willow, after an episode, like, her last appearance is an episode that's all about, oh, Willow's disappeared, where is she? Oh, we found Willow, good. And then Willow immediately disappears after that. No one mentions it. <laughs> is that true? I don't, I really don't remember. I kind of... Uh, yeah, because it's Willow-based. I have a vague memory of her going, yeah, you know, we're, things just aren't vibing, or, you know, like, we're we're on different paths, Wilson and me, and uh, she doesn't go off somewhere. She doesn't, like... No- We'll, we'll leave a walk off into the sail, uh, sunset in a VW van. No, there's an earlier episode. I think it's her first appearance, or maybe her second one, where it's like, "Ah, oh, Wilson's being too too overbearing and yeah. stifling. I'm gonna disappear in the night," and they convince her not to. I think this one is just that, like, she's gone. She's disappeared or something. Like she went to some 
club at 3 a.m. without telling anyone and everybody's driving around town looking for her or something like that. I, I don't remember what the greater message of that episode was. I guess spoiler alert about which episodes are going to show up in our playlist of the best of home <laughs> improvement. Uh, but yeah, well, it, it's like the whole episode is concerning Willow and Willow's place in in their lives and in their family. And it ends with them saying, you belong. You're part of the family. We care about you. You need to let us know if you're going to go somewhere. And then <laughs> that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to throw three actress names out there uh, as a, a way to talk about how they handled this over the, the course of the series. Sure. Those I'll names are Betsy Randall, mm. Mary Angela Pino, and mm. Tammy Lauren. Okay. Playing. Now, yes. Thank you. Thank you. That <laughs> helps. Karen, Patty, and Marie. Jill's oh. friends. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. Jill's... Because in going back and reviewing these episodes, it's like, oh, yeah, Jill just kind of picked up and tossed aside friends over the course of the, the series. Like, is she is she yeah. blowing up her relationships with everyone she knows every couple of years? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, unseen side of Jill that we, we weren't privy to. So now now Karen, Betsy Randall, that's, mm-hmm. that's her yep. friend from the first couple seasons who Tim yes. brands as a wacky feminist, right? Yeah, Boy Meets World, yep. Yes, yeah. That's the one where Tim comes in with the table glued to his yes. head, and she and Jill are tag-teaming him in a yep. in a humor-based way. <laughs> yes, that is yeah. true. I, I mean, I liked Bessie Randall quite a bit as Karen. I felt like she... Nothing against Maria, uh, Maria Angela Pino, but, like, Betsy Randall and Tammy Lauren as Karen and Patty, like, Karen was a great tag team, you know, with with Jill against Tim mm-hmm. in a way to kind of like skewer the the mission statement of the show. Yes. Uh Patty felt like a good like sardonic addition to what Jill had become by that uh season 6 or 7. She uh, kind of pa- bouncing all over the place. Yeah, Patty kind of becomes like the Niles to uh, uh, Patricia Richardson's Frasier at that point. She is always there with the deadpan bit. She's always a little bit removed from what Jill's Mm -hmm. life is and everything like that. So she she can kind of give these more incisive barbs at Tim and just the nature of their relationship. And I think Mary Angela Pino... By no fault of her own, she was a a fine performer. It was how they were writing that character that if if she had remained on the show like and their her relationship with the meat man (laughs) (laughs) you want to talk about a mysterious disappearance um was like a little too uh men's playbook of what they think women's and marriage situations look like through a woman's perspective i feel like it would have brought in kind of a not so fun vibe I, I I agree with you. I like I really enjoy her performance as it's Marie, right? Uh, yes, is her character. I enjoy her performance as Marie a lot, and I in some ways enjoy how her character. A I just enjoy that she's this kind of no nonsense, tough talking lady who also talks very openly about the benefits of therapy. That's a cool ass thing to see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I I agree with you. Like I think that the the benefit of Jill having a friend who she talks to on the show is. I mean, and especially what I liked about Patty, like, Patty's not married, Patty doesn't have kids, Patty doesn't own a house, like, Patty is just experiencing a very different life from what Jill's is, and you can get the yeah. kind of contrast between their worldviews and everything, 
Whereas Marie and the Meat Man, it's just like, yeah, they're kind of they're kind of just a not really a well, they are sort of a carbon copy of Tim and Jill in that she is the long suffering wife to an overbearing man. Um <laughs> Also, but they they feel like they're off in their own sitcom in a way. Really, they do. It feel it feels like he is a crossover episode from something else. Like when Brad shows up on Soul Man. Um, right. I I think that uh, I mean we should shout out Robert Picardo as the Meat Man in his one appearance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think that he's very good at being this you know incredibly annoying dude who Tim has to contend with. I look honestly. Because, you know, we get we get him and Marie in that one episode. That's the only time that we see the meat man at all. Marie yeah. shows up a few more times. And then in one of the episodes, she is talking about how her husband was cheating on her and they're divorced now and everything. I getting I think planning on it. Yeah. Yeah. I I I. There's something that that uh, is on some level kind of amusing to me about this side character on the show having a very dark life <laughs> that is happening and. I guess I gotta go to Jill's surprise party or whatever. Like, but <laughs> right, right. But and there's also part of me that is kind of like, I wish the show had leaned into that. I wish that it that like, I wish that they had had Robert Picardo back on a few more times. Like, because the show touches yeah. on concepts of infidelity with Heidi's husband, or you know, with right. Let's Did Lunch, whatever, like that. I, I wish that they had rolled that into the existing the first me- temptation of Tim. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, but, but, <laughs> where but, it all all it takes is buying someone's uh, cleaner. Yes, what was it that she was coming it, it by. Was, it was it was yeah, the cute traveling saleswoman who sells yeah. him like twenty pallets of of cleaning supplies for the floor. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I just I would have liked it if they had they had folded some of those ideas of like how do we the friends of people involved in a relationship crisis or infidelity in a relationship. I wish they'd folded that into this established character of the meat man who we already yeah. don't like. Um, and the fact that okay. maybe he's hiding his meat someplace else. Gross. <laughs> God, I've got a few. I got a few other like batch of people we can talk about. Um, yeah. Before I get into a, a specific one, let me run down a, a, a slew of people who were in four episodes nice. and get your impression of what this. I know what 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 kind of tapestry we're we're creating here the, with uh with these character actors. The, yeah, the four timers club. Jensen Daggett playing mm-hmm. Nancy Taylor. Four mm-hmm. episodes. Oh, only wait. Wait, 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 wait. The waiter was on more episodes than yes. than Nancy. <laughs> you just remember because she was uh she was naked in that one. Wow, Landon, just put me put me on <laughs> put me on blast. Now the whole world knows that I'm inclined to I, of course, think about I naked know women. From Friday the thirteenth part eight. You um, you know her from her personality. I only know her from her body. <laughs> Go on. Uh, also with four episodes, Francesca P. Roberts as Marge, the the nurse from mm-hmm. uh, otherwise known uh, as uh, uh, Bertha from the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! God, I remember having my mind blown by that the first time. Yeah. Uh, also with four episodes, Kalen Romero as Ronnie, Mark's mm. friend. Mm, good old Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, Gerard Paul as Jason, Senator Jason. <sighs> Miss him. Okay, let's just I mean, let's just say Senator Jason, probably one of my one of the one of the tops, one of the top of the top <laughs> character actors. I love the performance. He's great. Yep. He rocks. He rules. And then the only two people with four episodes uh, also are Ashley and Lindsay Trefker, the twins, the Taylor twins, Marty's girls. Yes. 
Yes. And so, moving on. <laughs> That's wild to me that that Ronnie, who, I mean, funny bit, but I barely remember, that Ronnie was in as many episodes as Nancy, Marty's wife and eventual ex-wife. It's also interesting to me how many characters disappear from the show, and if any explanation is offered, it's just, yeah, we got divorced. Like, <laughs> whoop, so much for that. I mean, it happens, I guess. Let's talk about the hardware store. Well, well, I, uh, well I, I, look, at, at, yeah. risk of, at risk of dragging this thing out too much, did you have any? Yeah. I mean, did, I, I feel like you're just prompting me with things, and I'm not asking you any questions. We're not getting inside you. Never mind. Uh, do you... <laughs> Like, like, did any of the did any of those four timers make a big impression on you? I mean, did you did you feel any connection to these these folks? Yeah, well, I, you know, like some a lot of the the gauge that I do is like, did I remember this character from when I watched it as a kid to mm-hmm. when we watched it, you know, on the show? And I would say yes, I remembered Nancy a hundred percent. Yes, I remembered Ronnie a hundred percent. Um, I would not have been able to list Senator Jason going into the show, but wow. once I saw him, wow. I was like, oh yeah, this guy. Wow. Uh, and Marge, I, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to, to pick out, I'm not going to say I totally forgot her, but it wouldn't have been top of mind. Um, the okay. twins, uh, definitely not, wouldn't have remembered, um, which I, my memory aside, I think just, it goes to what sorts of character actors are not even character actors. Let's not put it on their shoulders, but the characters that they're being asked to play. Yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie is just a memorable character. Sure. Uh, I, I think, I mean, you said you've kind of forgotten his bit, but well, his um, bit is to say one word. So, I mean, that is, yeah, but Mark's goth friend. Yeah. How do you forget that? Yeah. That's well, cause I'm so focused on Mark as a goth. I forget there's another goth in the pit. All goths look the <laughs> same. Okay. Fair. Look, Jeez, I'm sorry. Right, I'm sorry. Right. If that's, if that's, you can't say that anymore because of wokeness. <laughs> um, but you know, w- looking at someone like Francesca P Roberts, like what a good addition to what could have been a thankless role. Like here, here's kind of a takeaway. I, I don't know how to articulate this thought exactly, but, Casting Francesca P. Roberts as that first episode as a nurse character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Giving her a name, Marge. Yeah. Sets it up to go, well, that made so much sense. Marge is just now a character. As opposed to going, we have four episodes where Tim has to interact with a nurse. Let's just write four different nurse characters and get four different character actors. Yeah. The, the way that they the way that they went back to the same well again and again mm-hmm. to get the same pe- I mean and that is the beauty of, of television and the thing that rewards longtime yeah. viewership or say obsessively close viewership like we've been doing <laughs> which is where it's like oh you you see a world being built you see the mm-hmm. the acquaintances that these folks have who they run into from time to time and yeah and it also makes logical sense that he'd be for, you know like I, I think that I think that Marge is a character I mean probably just originated from the very simple premise of like oh of course Tim would be on a first name basis with an emergency yeah. room nurse that ties into Tim's character and then they just went outward from we did this thing for a joke now let's just keep the joke running and give Marge more to do. Yeah, but there, there's that episode when we are first introduced to Dolores at the restaurant yeah. where Jill has, like, four friends she's meeting for lunch. Yeah. It's completely out of context uh, from, you know, the the ER, no pun intended, 
character after <laughs> corner. Um, where Marge is just a friend of Jill's and Dolores and yeah. Tammy. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Patty. Yeah. I yeah, it is it is cool that yeah, she <laughs> I mean you you then want to start writing the fan fiction in your head of like yes. how how like which emergency room visit was it where like Jill and Marge were both outside getting coffee at the same time and they struck up right, a conversation right. about opera. Yeah. It's cool. So I I don't know, I just kind of I like that they I don't I like the family vibe that they bring to the character actors here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um let's Let's transition to talking to, about the hardware store. Yes. That, you, you know, the, the hardware store is, I, I'm, it's, it's just kind of interesting. Almost, I feel like that more wasn't done with it. Or, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I remember there were whole episodes well, was about done with it. I, I guess you're right. I, I guess it's just, I almost expected there, yes, there's episodes about, like, who's owning the hardware store. There's the whole thing where they're going to have the tool hotline. And... Mm-hmm. Al doing videos in it. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, and them hanging out there. Promoted it on the show, not promoting it on the show. Who has a stake in it? Who doesn't? It's going to go up for sale. Going to sell it. You know, there's there's been a lot that's been done with the hardware store. I guess there is a lot that's done with the hardware store. What am I trying to say here, actually? I guess it's just that I I almost expect... I guess any time one of the characters on a show owns a retail establishment, I'm like, great. I fully expect half or more of the episodes to be them in that retail establishment being like, oh, no, we're all out of paint thinner and there's a big rush. What are we going to do? <laughs> like, I expect it to well, be a workplace sitcom, my preferred type of sitcom. And it's unrealistic to expect that. But there, there's precedent for that. You know, on Roseanne, the Lanford Lunchbox, the restaurant that they owned, became like the second set. It was either like – I don't think there was a single episode once they introduced that where they weren't at least in one scene at the restaurant. Yeah. It's it's an interesting addition that is almost necessary to some of these shows where like, yeah, there needs to be a, a meeting place that's not the house that would be logical for people to meet when they're out and about during the day. We can't yeah. have every single storyline take place around the dinner table once everyone gets home from work. And and it also wouldn't make sense on this show for all of the people Tim hangs out with to be employees at the local TV station. I, I right. mean, it, like the way that you bring together Benny and Tim's brother and and all these other people. I, I mean, oh, like shit. the 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 alternate location that makes the most sense for this show is not a bar or a coffee shop. It is a hardware store. It's the place that Tim loves to be right. the most. I mean, it's a it's a very logical choice. I feel like they maybe almost tried that a little bit with Mike's Tavern early on. Um, <laughs> yeah, they went there a couple times, didn't they? But it, it just didn't didn't stick. And I think didn't it's stink. because... Because of the stinky. The stinky, the stinky. Got it. Uh, <laughs> there, There's just more storylines that are specific to, you know, the deal of home improvement when you're doing yeah. it in a hardware store. Yeah. Um, I, I, I realized something. I said, holy shit. Because I yeah. think... I realized something I want to ask you. This is a trivia question I don't have an answer to, but I have a gut feeling about. Okay. Was Jill ever in the hardware store? Oh, shit. That's a good question. I, I don't think she ever I, stepped foot in there. That I mean... Dolores and, did? Dolores was there because, she, yeah, I'm married to, to, to Harry, naturally. The look obviously happened there. I mean, I... I mean, Wilson was in there... Yeah, but 
I, was was any woman ever in there? No, there must have been like a female background actor in some of these scenes. No, I don't think she ever was. For that matter, I'm trying. Wait, we're the, no wait. There's the episode early on where Mark shoplifts a a a um oh, a knife, a pocket, a pocket knife. knife. Yeah. Now, is he in the store with Tim and Jill, or I think just Tim? Okay, yeah, I guess yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah, it's a it's hey man, uh much like it says on a child's treehouse, no girls allowed. <laughs> um anyway, that was just a realization I had. Let's talk uh, about yeah. I I mean, well, look, I I, I what do you, okay, I have a character actor who I want to call out and I want to make sure that I don't forget. So, I depending on what you're going to say next, I may have to sideline to talk about this character actor. Well, we're not done with the hardware store. I was we oh. haven't talked about any of the character actors there. Uh I'm talking about Harry I'm talking about Benny. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. We can talk Benny. a little bit about Marty if we want to. Marty. I mean, I don't know. Look, I think there's. I think. I think Marty will will get discussed probably in our playlist as well. So, I mean, th- yeah. there's much to be said about Marty. Go on. Yeah. Well, okay. So then we'll just uh, limit it to Harry and Benny. And I, I told you I'd be on my best behavior going into this, so I, I'll keep my comments to a minimum. Look, I I think that Harry is I, I really enjoy the performance by whatever the hell actor yeah. played Harry. I cannot Blake remember Clark. Blake Clark. Blake Clark. Hey, if you're listening, uh, you did He's a great not. job. <laughs> no uh, one ever listens. Our no, listeners I, are barely listening. Th- this is true. This is true. Uh, listeners, you've got the right idea. Um, look, I, I think Blake Clark's performance is so fun. I'm reminded in particular of the episode where Al is making the tool videos yeah. and eventually he fires Tim and casts Harry in them. And Harry is so eager to be acting and is so <laughs> bad at acting. And there's all these scenes of him, you know, Al saying like, yeah. you want to use a screwdriver. <laughs> and then Harry just le- leaping into frame, holding a screwdriver and miming how to use it or something like that. It's, it's, yeah really a a fun character in spite of the fact that a, a lot of the times he's giving voice to some of the some of the spicier yeah. misogyny on the show i i he's doing so in in a way where it's like the performance is good i, I you got to you got to hand it to him yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't take that away from Blake Clark the character of Harry the hardware store to me is kind of like tim's inside out pixar mm, movie wow Wow, the that's characters deep. in there are just the the little variations, the different voices that are going on in Tim's head. Mm. I, it, you've got this, the voice of reason in Al. You've got his id in Benny. <laughs> you've got his insecurities in Mar- uh, Marty, and you've got his masculine ideal in Harry. Wow, that's uh, that's that's really profound. That's really it, isn't it? I mean, I and then and then. <laughs> What do the donuts represent? What aspect of Inside Out are the because addiction? <laughs> I mean, listen, listen, Tim. Tim in one of the episodes, it's confirmed that Tim is the one who supplies the free donuts to the the hardware store. So maybe that's like, is that Tim's giving nature or Tim's enabling of his uh, his id's worst tendencies, aka Benny? <laughs> who is the character actor you want to talk about? The character actor I want to talk about is Tom Poston, who shows up as uh-huh. the he's I the think, I think I called him Ted Post in one of our episodes, <laughs> and I feel so stupid about that. When he when he goes undercover, when he goes into the witness protection program, uh that that's the the name that he would pick. Uh listen, Tom Poston shows up as uh the rental car clerk and the bitter business bureau representative and the yeah. gift shop clerk. He, he's doing all of the jobs and doing all of them in the least helpful way possible at the Kinross airport. And he is 
so perfect in in these scenes and he comes back again and again playing basically siblings triplets. to yeah yeah he shows up three times playing you know a, an identical triplet for that uh, character and he is so good and so dry and deadpan with all of his delivery and with it's just he is kind of he is kind of the main comedy force of the the first episode he's in was the flight before christmas he is kind of the source of the jokes for the entire middle of this yeah. episode. He's knocking every one of them out of the park. He is he knows exactly who this character is and he is so different from everybody else in the kind of bits that you get on Home Improvement. Um I I think it's just really something to walk onto a show as as just a bit part character actor role and elevate the entire thing like that episode is memorable to me specifically because of his performance and uh, mm -hmm. that's that's quite an achievement for an actor well there i think he's a good example to talk about a certain kind of character actor and i'm thinking of um oh fuck what's her name uh from losing my religion mm -hmm. the uh the the woman, oh my god, come on, Landon, your stupid brain isn't working. The, the lady at the retirement home who he's talking yeah. to? Yeah. yeah, she's really she, good. Oscar-winning actress. Uh, the Getting people who, like, like the, the dance uh, instructor in Dances with Tools, like these Ugh. people who've been around forever, uh, these character actors who are just, like, seasoned vets stepping, hell, James Hong, let's mm, talk about oh, him. Yeah, I know, Academy Award-winning actor. Is he no? Well, is he? Yeah, no. For, no he, was, for, he was in. He was in an Academy Award-winning film. No, I'm pretty sure he didn't. He win for or he won some kind of award for uh, for everything, uh, everywhere, all at once. I uh, not an Oscar. Um, uh, keep keep talking. I'll figure that out. Anyway, okay. Uh, anyway, the point being, like, you get these these seasoned vets that are able to step in for an episode or three if you're Tom Poston, uh, and like deliver. Deliver the episode so that you can allow your characters to uh, either bounce off it in, in a comic way like uh, like Tom Poston or uh, Eileen Eckhart. Eckhart, that's what I was trying to think of. I couldn't mm -hmm. remember her name. Yes, yeah. Um, it just came to me. Not from IMDb at all. It was just in your head and then you got it. It was. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. I, I can name it. She was from The Demon Seed that it was, she was nominated for. She also was in Burnt Offerings, a movie I love and watched recently. Oh, um, delicious. Anyway. I, 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 but no, before you get back into it, James Hong did not win an Academy Award. However, he won a Screen Actors Guild Award, and that is the speech that I remember. Continue, please. There you go. Um you get the so they're able to come in for an episode, kind of anchor it, and like in Eileen Heckart's example, allows us to explore something new with the character. Randy kind of exploring different aspects of his, you know, of growing up, mm -hmm. uh, getting out in the world, new ideas. Yeah, she. You're not going to get that with you know uh, a talk from your parents. Yeah. Dealing, you know, with someone dying of cancer and, and what that means for your religion and, you know, just praying it away and that sort of stuff. Um, I I really appreciate that they're able to do that and that people, you know, these these little old timers want to come in and do it. Hell, Ernest Borgnine and Jack uh, Elam from season one. That was Feather Flock to Taylor. That was a that's a real casting flex for the first season of your sitcom to get. A couple of fairly heavy-hitting movie actors, and this is also at a time when 
you know, the film actors appearing on TV was not really as like that was not a done thing. TV was looked at as like a a cultural urinal where uh, film actors dared <laughs> yeah. not go. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I I've got to say, I don't I don't particularly love that episode, but I I do I, I do find them being like their performance is charming on the show, and they they bring something to it that's really unique and memorable. Yeah. So I have a few more clusters of people, but maybe we can go through them a little faster, just down memory lane. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's a little reductive to, to classify them as this, but the girls. Uh, I'm thinking of Brad and Randy's girlfriends. Yes, of course, yes. They were quite the uh, ladies' men. I'll I'll always have a soft spot for Jenny Sadarsky, the first, mm, Jessica mm-hmm. Wesson. Oh. Um, but there's also Courtney uh, Peldon, who played Lauren, uh, same amount of episodes um, that wow. Jenny Sadarsky was in. Uh, Even though that's Jenny... Randy's boo, who he goes to Costa Rica with. Uh, although, although Jenny Sadarsky felt like she was a part of the show for years and years and years, but was... only I know, a right? couple episodes. I, that's I just you hear that name thrown around, Sadarsky. It sticks in your head. <laughs> I don't know why, but it does. Yeah, well, it, it's it's because she's a she's what you know she's one of those people who you always say their first and last name. It's never just Jenny. Mm. It's Jenny Sadarsky. Right. Right. And then, of course, uh, <laughs> there was the short-lived um, Maggie Lawson playing mm-hmm. uh, the older woman. Yes, of course. Of the episode, of course. Yeah, who just sort of faded into the background after they decided yeah. not to get married. I know. Like once after that episode aired, suddenly Brad was just like on the the prowl for women in season eight. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, you know, I've I've done that. I've tried older women. Now I want women exactly my age. Okay, here's someone that I've never been able to put a pin in uh three episodes gretchen german playing june palmer june palmer i don't remember who that is she appears on tool time from time to time oh the gadget lady new gadgets or like who the I, i just don't understand i don't understand where that character came from why she was recurring what did she do yeah isn't she the one where Tim is looking at her butt in one of those episodes and Jill makes a big deal about it? I don't remember. I think it's Let's Go to the Videotape. I'm not fully sure. Um, okay. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah. I uh, Look, I mean, uh, no disrespect to her whatsoever, but I forgot there was a gadget lady up until you reminded me. You know who I've forgotten? Uh, is all of Tim's car guys. Yeah, including the one who shows up at the at the end in, in a couple the, of them do. Bring, yeah, burning down the house video. Yeah, Tom Lagrua played Eddie McCormick. Who? <laughs> yeah, and what did what did he do? <laughs> how many episodes was he in? Uh, he was in five episodes. Okay, okay, wow, that's actually that's not as many though as the snooty French waiter. But uh, okay, um, who else? Uh. There was wasn't there a mechanic at one point, or was that the mechanic? I don't maybe, remember. Maybe he was uh, the mechanic. Two two episodes for uh, Tony Carrario playing Dave, another car person of Tim's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I've no no um, idea who Dave the car guy is. Yeah. Wait. No. Wait. Is uh, he the one who's cheating on his girlfriend, who's a friend of Jill's? Maybe. I think so. J- Jill Jill sets them up in in uh, in the the one oh. about meddling, uh, heavy metal. Okay, yeah, I kind of remember that. It was a long time ago. It was. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the tool time 
uh, crowd over the years. Vicky Lewis as Maureen Binford for three uh, episodes. Three episodes she was in. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, another one who just, they sent her to Chicago uh, and she never returned. Like she, <laughs> do, do you think she and, uh, do you think she and uh, Willow are hanging out together? Do you think they, they Thelma and Maybe. Louise off of a cliff? We're all we're all uh, character actors go after a show ends. <laughs> the big um, happy farm where they can run yep. and play and get SAG residuals all the time. She was in more episodes than Noble Willingham playing John Binford, Mr. Binford. Mm, uh, in those Jake, early yeah. seasons. Yeah. And then wow. Joel Polis comes in as Wes Davidson with the Nickelodeon uh, office, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. taking over Binford for a while. And then, yes. of course, Charles Robinson playing Bud. Oh, man. Yeah. But yeah, Bud was a. Bud was all over the map as a character. You know, so, yeah. sometimes he's yeah. a villain, sometimes he's a cool dude. Sometimes. Nine episodes. Nine episodes. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that that's and then and then disappeared at the end. Like I'm, I'm thinking, like, why didn't he show up playing burning down the house? Oh, well, I guess his departure yeah. is kind of the linchpin of the end of the show, isn't it? Well, then we got to talk about the obvious there, which is the K and B construction crew. Yeah, man, they they they're the most memorable. I they are like, def- of all yeah. the character actors on Home Improvement. Like, if you were to have someone write down ten things they remembered about Home Improvement, it would be grunting. Yeah, beam dropped on the car. Definitely, uh, Al Flannel mom mm-hmm. is big. Even um, that, maybe I don't know. But- at a, at a certain point, they they would include K and B construction. I mean, a testament to the to the centrality of the K and B construction guys is that one of them got brought back four years later for the user's guide to home improvement to be their <laughs> right. DJ spinning royalty free tunes. Uh, I I really hate that we're not going to get to absolutely everyone in this, and that's you know you've got eight seasons to go listen to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, the longer we get bogged down in this, the the greater the risk of this being a three parter. So I, I yeah. mean, with no so, with no disrespect to the character actors, I think we should give them a salute and and move on. Unless you have any other standouts, I just yeah, that's kind of what I was going to ask you. Is there any like single character actor that you wanted to identify as like uh you know uh, an interesting one, something that you want to leave people with? You know, guys, I just feel like Tom Poston was uh, so great on, on this show. And as I say it, I really wish that I had just uh, held out to mention his name now instead of interjecting earlier on and totally fucking the, up our flow. You're the editor. You can move that to here. I am. I Yeah. And, and you guys have listened to this show over the years. You know how how uh, how precise <laughs> it is. You hear all the times when maybe some throat clearing makes its way in or one of our audio is way lower than the other ones. Uh, have you got no, no, I mean, I Tom Poston is my boy. There were a lot of good ones. He's the one who stuck out. And you? Uh, <laughs> I, I, it feels weird saying this because there's so many good ones. And I think he's not even really a character actor. And what he's gone on to do is kind of odd. But um, when you think in terms of character actors. But I think the the one, the character that made me laugh the hardest is Drew Carey on Totally Tool Time. Oh, shit. That's a really good. Yeah, it's a really good point. That was a really good performance. I don't know why. I just, it, I still think about him going on about Paul Newman and HUD. Yeah. Now, that was a good shovel. <laughs> well, and, and, and the fact that he's, it's not even like strictly, 
technically speaking, a good performance because he is one centimeter away from breaking yeah. the entire time. He is giggling Th- that's at stick. the bit. That's Drew Carey's stick, and, though. Th- that's just that, and that, look, and that is the genius of Drew Carey is that he's not a particularly good actor, and yet he's so endearing, and you like him so yeah. much, and and we still like him so much. Drew Carey, who paid the tab for every WGA writer at at uh, Bob's Big Boy for the duration of the strike, you know we. We stand a king, then and now. <laughs> all right, let's move on from character actors. Wow, we didn't talk about Dan Aykroyd at all. Big wow. burn. Weird. Okay, moving on. We've talked about him <laughs> so much. We've talked about Dan Aykroyd on our Home Improvement podcast way more than any other show would. <laughs> I think we can fold memorable moments into talking about our episodes. Damn um, right we can. But I just want to ask you, because I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge... The uh, creativity you brought to every single episode of Grunt Work Hmm. in coming up with alternate titles to Home Improvement episodes. The the creativity I brought to 66 episodes. You got to be quiet for one second while collectively all of Grunt Work listeners give you a round of applause. Oh, stop it, you guys. Stop. Stop. Oh, no. Gesturing with my hand to keep it going, though, because, oh, but but stop. <laughs> stop. Uh, well, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it was a good time trying to come up with these episode titles. And I know that I was critical frequently in fact of the of the yeah. titles of the actual episodes and i may be alleged listen, that i had come up with a better title but but you you might have done that but you you showed your chops you're like listen i i i'm gonna criticize you but i i can bring something to the table and show you that i can play with the big dogs as well yes uh, i would say it, it was at least a 50 percent chance that i would say let's go with your title over the actual home improvement title so uh yeah don't okay. don't chide yourself too much. I'm not going to chide myself too much. I just also I want to come out and say that the 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 home improvement writers came up with some really top notch titles over the course of the series. They did some great stuff that that we really should call out. Well, what were some of your favorites? Uh, I, the ones that are most memorable to me are maybe not the best ones. Sure. Jill's birthday and Jill's surprise party. Those those ones do <laughs> stick out in the memory. Which I mean, look. <laughs> So maybe we're wrong to criticize those titles. I mean, they're memorable. We remember the episodes. So, I mean, and in this in this world where we're oversaturated with, uh, with culture and things to watch, I mean, the fact that anything can stand out in your memory, uh, yeah. it should be celebrated. <laughs> um, well, look, I mean... I, Looking at them from a, a pure "do I think this wordplay is is clever" level, uh, I think that that stuff like the Toolman delivers for the episode where mm-hmm. he helps uh, Heidi give birth to her baby in a gas station run by Tom Poston, like that's yeah. that's moi beautiful, great, that that's perfect. <laughs> Um, uh, be true to your tool. That's very much up my alley in terms of both a Beach Boys reference and also, um, you know, it, it has it has multiple multiple levels and layers. Uh, but what I about think the the episode title "Up Your Alley." <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, "Up My Alley." Uh, I felt was too derivative of this thing that I'm saying right now. Um, <laughs> but I look. I mean, I think the biggest snaps must go to Tool Thousand One: A Space Odyssey <laughs> because. That really does feel like I flew into Jupiter and got sent back in time and, like, wrote that that title as a baby and gave it to them. Like, it sounds like (laughs) that... 
I don't know. So I guess, yes, my favorite ones are the ones that feel the most like stuff I would have come up with. I cannot appreciate mm-hmm. anything outside of the confines of my own ego. Well, what about yours? <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be any surprise that uh, the Halloween episodes are my favorite. And, mm-hmm. of course, A Night to Dismember yeah. is just... Uh, chef, uh, 10 chef's kisses yeah. uh, as far as a, a title is concerned but you know I was a teenage Taylor you know mm-hmm. plays on the old you know I was a teenage Frankenstein or zombie werewolf. or werewolf fill in the blanks um, I was a teenage wasteland uh, yeah the the Christmas episodes the okay <laughs> he's a listener to the show and I, I'm not gonna drag him through the mud but I have wow. a friend and I love him more than anyone. Is this and about me? This is not about you, German. But what? he he has a thing about the Harry Potter books, mm-hmm. and, and his thing is with each one, it got a little bit bigger. And then after Order of the Phoenix, they started. The last two are not as not as big. They get smaller. Yeah, and uh, I can understand his his kind of compulsive frustration with that because. I would relate it to the Christmas titles here because for like half of the seasons, they were going with a, a, a naming scheme Twas the flight before Christmas Twas the night before chaos Twas mm-hmm. the blight before Christmas. <laughs> and then they just like, I feel like even within that there, they didn't do it once one year and then they came back to it. And so I get kind of like frustrated. I'm like, just why couldn't you just have done Eight seasons of a play on that. <laughs> Why couldn't you commit to this bit for the better part of a decade? Come on, guys. You only had to do one of these per years. Um, I mean, they didn't commit to the Wilson's face gag the entire time. <sighs> Don't look, look, we're trying to celebrate the show here, man. Don't make me talk about the thing that makes me so angry. <laughs> Whatever Halloween episode that was where he just comes in in zombie makeup and they're like, oh, you're hiding his face because he has paint on it. It was. was, I don't think it was zombie makeup, but uh, whatever it was. We put white paint on his face. You have no idea what his face looks like. Uh, Show. Uh, This this is apropos of nothing and is completely arbitrary, but I'm shocked at the length of a few of the titles because I've had to type them a lot over the last year uh, with getting our website back up and going. Oh, God, yeah. And uh, something like it was the best of Tim's, it was the worst of Tim's. (laughs) Just a mouthful of a title. Um, but, but a good, but you know what? I got to say really good wordplay. That's you, you just took two E's out of that and, uh, made a completely yeah. new idea. The what about this one? You're driving me crazy. You're driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that, that episode was the one that got the uh, highest ratings, uh, early on in the show's run. That's, you know, I think, I think people saw that title on the TV guide <laughs> and were like, we got to tune in folks. We got to keep the TV on after Roseanne. That's the other thing that I think like. No one, no one in the history of home improvement, besides you and me and all of our listeners now, have any exposure to the titles of these episodes. No, no, it was really just a thing for the writers to to have, and for the people who were getting handed the scripts. Yeah, uh, and I, I do like though. Every once in a while, they would do a callback title. Mm-hmm. So the Beach Boys episode uh, called "The Karate Kid Returns" was. Mm-hmm. Uh, a return on the idea of karate or not, here I come. Yeah. Uh, from a few seasons before when Mark had to show his karate skills. Yeah, exactly. Callbacks to their own uh, to their own title bits. 
Okay, uh, I think the title bits uh, here uh, has come to a conclusion. Let's move on. Um, I think we're going to – I think it's time. I think we got to go into our playlist. Yeah. Um, Our favorite episodes. Why don't I start? Why don't I ease us in? Yeah, like 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 with, easing into uh, a jacuzzi tub that's just been installed in your bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I want to go over. We we put this out to our listeners on um on Instagram and on our Discord. Uh, what their favorite episodes were? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't have too many here. Uh, I got about uh, seven or so. Uh, and I thought I could just kind of go through those, and we can. Uh, rehash a little bit. I think we'll mm-hmm. we'll touch on them a little bit in our own playlists. Damn but, right we um, will. Uh, okay, here's what I've got. Um, crazy for you. Yeah, that was a Halloween episode. The prank yeah. one with Rose. Yeah, I I uh, yeah. Right, do you want to go through all of them, or should I just just you know uh, start yammering whenever I hear something that I recognize? Well, I'll tell you. Here's my one thought about Crazy for You. I forgot we did an audio commentary for that episode. <laughs> yeah. I I remember that episode because I feel like we watched it so many times, and I think that had a negative impact on my enjoyment of the episode. Oh, okay. I also think that's the episode uh, with the Wilson gag that you're talking about. No. Oh, man, no. I don't think so. I think I only watched that Wilson gag once, and I got so mad that I threw my TV out the window. Uh, <laughs> I. Right. I, look, I, I think that – and I don't mean any disrespect to our fans who voted for that episode. I – I guess just the, the the thing that I found so the thing that that bummed me out so much is that Tim just can't get pranked. It's that at the end of the mm-hmm. episode he has to prank Jill with the uh, breakaway yeah. arm on his body and scare her. It's like I'm the king. I'm still the king. Check it out, guys. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I agree that that soured that episode for me, and I think that was season three too. So that <laughs> shows yeah. also where our minds was at. There, there you go. There our you minds go. was at. I, I really love that we encouraged our fans to weigh in and vote on a thing. And it's like, hey, this was popular among the people who listened to your show. And we're just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Eat All right, well, shit. Yeah, That's I'll go bad taste. Yeah. Um, uh, At Sea was another one. The, okay. The aircraft carrier. Okay. Let me let me tell you about At Sea. I saw that that one did well in, in the rankings. Yeah. And, I, and I watched it. I, I threw it back on in my rewatching. And the first half of it, I'm like... What the fuck are our fans thinking? What the hell <laughs> is wrong with you people? This is just this is just bits on an aircraft carrier. It is weak sauce. But then but then the second half of the episode where we actually get into the nuts and bolts, so to speak, of of Brad potentially being sexually active and Tim needing to give him the talk. That stuff is great. That is some very tight writing. It's very heartfelt. It is great performances from Zachary Ty Bryan and Tim Allen. It's it's funny and it's real. And I'm I found myself just thinking like, well, damn it, at sea. Like if if the if literally fifty percent of this episode was not just stupid aircraft carrier <laughs> hijinks, much of yeah. it built on the backs of service members who, God bless them, aren't necessarily the the best with their comic timing. Uh, I, I would, this would be in my playlist. It's it, the, the episode, the bits of the episode that aren't just gimmicks are incredible stuff. So very mm. well chosen mm. folks. What do you think? Uh, uh, I would have thought that the Brad stuff was a completely different episode. It's so <laughs> I remember nuts. the Brad stuff. I remember the, the tanker stuff. I guess 
given it enough time, I would have got there because the of the joke where Tim leans forward on the the throttle uh, while he's on the cell phone call. Um, yeah, I, but yeah, I, I I mean I agree with you. the The disappointing thing for me is like, as far as collective memory goes, being on a battleship is more memorable than the Brad stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's. I mean, I guess you can't be mad at that. Like, come for the aircraft carrier, stay for the, you know. Uh, <laughs> stay for the puberty. <laughs> yeah, stay for the puberty. Um, okay, we also have a collective here of the Wopat episodes. I yeah. I think it's just the two. Yeah. Um, look, Taking Jill for granted and... Um, and Jill's passion. Remember. Jill's passion, yeah. Uh, uh, look, fans, well, well chosen. Those are really good episodes. I'm going to talk about those episodes more later. Boom. Mike okay, drop. Spoiler wow. alert. That thing people really care about. I, I think I think they're I think that they're really uh some some superb stuff. Uh I mean, do do you agree? Are we in agreement? I, I do I do agree. I still am shocked uh by uh the moment Jill kisses another man on the show. <laughs> Even I, though it quickly turns out to be another dream. Uh that was a, a like standout memory for me. I, I, I had the same reaction rewatching it. It's just like, can you imagine what this did to people's <laughs> brains for like for like two seconds before you realize yeah. it's a dream? People at home being like, what is this show about now? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got Soft Shoe for two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that episode uh, was very i mean look that 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 episode was super strong i think probably one of the best written episodes uh of any episode of home improvement um i'm i'm still shocked that they had the i mean i guess i should be too shocked if they got burning down the house for the finale that they were able to get bad to the bone yeah one. yeah i although i'm kind of honestly um why not a steppenwolf song is my big question now why didn't they <laughs> license that for the big climactic number at the at the talent show <laughs> Important to be wild, yeah. I will yeah. say what I like about that episode is that it aligns all of my favorite characters on mm-hmm. the show. Uh, yeah, Al, Mark, and Wilson. Yeah, so that was uh, fun. Almost as though the writers knew exactly what you were looking for out of a home improvement <laughs> episode. Uh, someone also chose that uh, twas the flight before Christmas, which you mm-hmm. just talked about with Tom Poston. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I again, I don't want to really tip too many hands about that episode, but that yeah, is a yeah, really yeah, excellent yeah, yeah. piece of home, of home improvement right there. Working man blues. Oh God, uh, that's yeah. The Brad store, gets a right? job at the yeah, yeah, sports store. Yeah, with the, with the really with the really cool boss. Yeah. Uh, yep. No, I think I think that no that episode also uh, one I'm a huge fan of. I I had occasion to watch that in Mexico. Uh, dubbed oh. in Spanish at one point, really? and uh, were you wait 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 were you trapped in a car that was asking you to rate it? Uh, yeah, oh, yes, yeah, no, it it, to- it totally was. I was on my way to a to a, a wedding to uh, crash it in some way, and I had wait, to. Are you, uh, have you been Bryce Dallas Howard this whole time? I I know I know I have, and I'm giving this podcast one star. Thank you very much. <laughs> if any any like season three Black Mirror heads out there, I hope you're enjoying our bits. Um, no, but I, 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 they'll remember from last episode. That episode is good in, like, it's, it's, obviously it's great in English, but also to watch it in Spanish and get all these bits, but with the, like, the, I don't know, I want to give a shout out to the Spanish language dubbing of Home Improvement, because the guy who does Tim is, is, I really having fun with it, and I like it. I like hearing, <laughs> oh, in a, uh, in a different language. <laughs> 
Uh, I think the only one I haven't mentioned yet here is Family Unties, which um, I, I, again, tip my hand, and we're going to go into in a little bit. That's the convention center one. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. That is uh, that is a big uh, that is a big and seminal episode as well. I think our big takeaway from our fan favorites is that our fan favorites are a lot of our favorites. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, true. But in conversations we've had with our listeners, um, I've come to appreciate that they appreciate different things about the show than we do. Like we Aircraft have listeners that for think instance. for themselves, and I I really uh, enjoy that. I, I both like that there's that overlap, but then I also like seeing stuff in there like uh, like at sea or crazy for you, and it's like okay, well, like us watching it, the, watching this show the way we watch it, these didn't stand out for us, but it is kind of a window into the way that oh, a a normal healthy person's viewing experience of home improvement would go. <laughs> um, okay, with that, let's get into we, we talked about this on Tim Allen presents a user's guide to home improvement. Yes. And we've talked about this, I think, in Season 7, Season 8. I mean, it's been in the ether for a while. And that is you and I developing the grunt work home improvement playlist. If someone was like, I don't want to spend my entire time watching all eight seasons of home improvement. You guys have been through this. What is it that you – what's the sample size of home improvement that you would give – to show it at its best or at its like most definitive. Yes. Uh, yeah. And you and I have gone through and have chosen 20 episodes a piece. I think there's going to be a lot of overlap. I, ho- I um, hope so. Cause I don't have, I don't have us discussing 40 episodes in me tonight. I I'm going to say that. <laughs> okay. All right. Fortunately, uh, we're, I, we're famous for agreeing with each other. So uh... yes. Also we have, seven seasons of our show or eight seasons of our show that people can go and listen to the deep dives on each of them. I, you know, yeah. This is just going to be a walk down memory line lane of all the good stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think I'm going to end up posting our official list on our website when we're done. I, I, um, I, th- I think you should, because really I, I having gone back and watched these episodes for it. This is really, if you want to look at home improvement and see the show at its best, doing its best work, kind of the best representation of all these characters and when it can work right. I, I you know, I, I think that the, the lists curated by Landon and I are, I think, the, the, the right way to do it. That's a way to yeah. get, you know, really get your fill of the show without burning out on it and without seeing yeah. uh, stuff that might make you feel bad about the show. Uh, and I also think this will go faster because I believe you've done a lot more research than I have on your 20... 20- Oh, um, yes. So uh, I don't think I'm going to go as deep into mine, um, just my own experience with it and what I think it brings to the table. Um, so why don't we alternate uh, with our lists? I have done mine chronologically. As have um, I. As have I. Uh, we, we're, great. It's, so, it's pointless to try and rank these in terms of this is the number one yeah. best. It's just like this is a way to progress through the seasons of home improvement, yep. see the boys aging, see the hairstyles changing, getting the best from each season, and, and work your way up in a chronological order. Yeah. So why don't – I'll give you the honor of going first. What, uh, What's your first pick? Uh, my first pick changed – 
drastically at the very last minute. I, I really was, okay. Yes, I was originally going to go with For Whom the Belch Tolls, a season one okay. episode in which uh, Tim's old friend from college, Stu Cutler, comes back to visit and is so yep. rowdy and over the top, and Tim has to... I don't, that's, not, that's not an episode I'm choosing, so I don't need to give you the whole synopsis. I, after we talked last week, I went back and I rewatched Bubble Bubble Boil in Trouble, uh, Toil in Trouble for that matter, and... Yeah. Uh, I gotta say, that's that's a good episode, man. That's a really solid episode of Home Improvement. I think that sets up the show in the first season very well. It's the ninth episode of the first season. But it is a... It, it's a, just a really clear window into the best version of what I think Tim Allen envisioned the show being, which is... Yes. Tim... You know, in response to Jill making an offhand comment about their bathroom sink being too small, Tim getting obsessed with the idea of doing a makeover of the, uh, an extreme makeover, really, of the bathroom that that he says will take five days that then balloons out to be the better part of a month and drives everyone nuts and causes yeah. actual active strife in their marriage. I mean, I, I'm going to chime in here and, you know, just call it where where we have the same ones. Um, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble also on my list. And I would go so far as to say that if I were to identify a favorite episode and if I were to identify a definitive episode, what I thought was the best representation of what Home Improvement is, Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble fits into that last category for me. Damn. I think this mo- – this, I know we talked about it a little bit in the first half, but this is this is – so much the mission statement of the show, but encapsulates the type of comedy, the type of pathos, uh, the type of of conflict that we see on the show. Um, Jill puts in a fantastic performance. Yes, Al comes in with his, uh, uh, you know, identifying character for the colors. first time. Yeah, identifying kumquat versus Low apricot. Quads. Yeah, uh, like I really, really think Bubble Ball. Toil and Trouble is the one that deserves to be on that uh, TV screen in the '90s cafe in nineteen or in twenty thirty nine. Yes, yeah, yeah. The in in the Back to the Future two cafe. It's be, because also this is a this episode showcases uh, Tim's obsessiveness about tools and building things. Yep. In a way that sort of makes sense. Like, a lot of them, it's yeah. like, I put a jet engine on a lawnmower. Well, why would you do <laughs> For that? For a lawn that we can barely drive around, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or Tim, like, wantonly destroying things and not really understanding why he's doing it. Here, this kind of makes logical sense. Like, oh, my yeah. wife wants something. I want to do something for nice for else. her. It, yeah, it's, it's him doing it for someone else, but it's also very clearly him being like... Oh, I'm going to do this for someone else, but also it's for me. I'm going to do this thing that I really want to do. The process is for me. The product is for her. And the way in which it all gets out of hand, like, it's not a situation where it's Tim has been warned not to do the thing, does the thing, like, and how could you have assumed that it would work out and it, it becomes a disaster? It's, like, very clearly... Tim going into this project saying we can do it in five days and then right away we're cutting to like day 10 and there's like, you know, the house has been torn apart and there's a concrete spill everywhere. It's like, yeah, it's it's not Tim just charging in completely blindly. Like, how could you have expected this to work? It is clearly a million little cascading disasters that just got away from him, which I think is very true to the way that men 
uh, fuck things up. It's like you, th- we have a, a rosy view of how we're going to be able to attack a problem. And then, our, you know, being detail oriented uh, is sometimes a, a, a problem or something that men Speak can have. Speak yourself, a- sir. I mean, listen, listen, not, hashtag not all men. Some men are detail oriented. <laughs> so, some men are crazy about parameters or about discussing uh-huh. every single character actor who showed up on a TV series. But the, just like Tim, Tim's way of ruining everyone's life in this episode is very like you can understand how that would happen. And it, it happened from a place of innocence and having good intentions. Uh yeah, agreed. I I I can't really add anything to what you're saying. I I think it's just a, a perfect encapsulation of of what the show can do. Uh and it was so early on too, yeah. which is very just imp- it gets impressive points for me. Um, I, I I think I think that lots of sh- I don't know. I I just would compare this uh weirdly to a first season episode of the Sopranos called college, like eight episodes into the Sopranos. There's this episode where he's taking his daughter out to see colleges in Maine. And then he winds up also having to kill a guy. It's a whole thing. Anyway, that, that is held up as the best Sopranos episode. They did it eight episodes into the first season. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble is them really hitting it dead bullseye nine episodes in. I think there's something Mm -hmm. special about kind of getting close to, halfway or two-thirds of the way through your first season of a show, which is kind of like, we've figured out enough of who the characters are, and now we can... This is this is when we nail the big concept of the show for the first time. And that's yeah. what you see here. Um, how about we do this uh, to, to expedite this conversation a bit? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, 40 episodes is going to be a lot. Yeah. Since you, your first choice, uh, bypassed, chronologically, two of mine... Oh, uh, Jesus. I'm going to... I'm going to backtrack and talk about both of them. Yeah, and do, then it, do it. We'll have covered uh, a lot of ground that way. Yeah. I, I think we have to include the pilot. Uh, yeah. Or at least on my list, I yeah. included the pilot. Um, mm-hmm. I think I said this before recently. It's one of the best sitcom pilots I've seen. It's really it good. It sets up the mission statement so well. I think what sticks with me about the pilot most is it differentiates. We talked about this in the the. Tim Allen Presents special, mm-hmm. which is it differentiates this sitcom from so many other sitcoms primarily because it's using onset effects. Yeah. Uh, in, in such a like spectacle way that um, you just, I don't know, it, I can feel when I watch, because we've watched it a couple times now, the pilot, I can feel the live audience going, whoa, like getting, getting a physical jolt from that dishwasher exploding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going, what, what is, what am I seeing? What has happened? Did that just happen? In front- <laughs> is that supposed to happen? Yeah. Um, and, uh, do do, do you think like, do you, do you yeah. think it was like the, the audience is seeing train entering a station in 1898 and like jumping out of their seats it's, and taking oh cover. Cause they think a train is going to hit them. It's like, I, Oh, Oh my God. Re- the studio is going to burn down. I recently just did a presentation on that, and uh, I, I way too many comments about that particular uh, situation. I'm not going to go into it. I guess I don't know why I mentioned that, but um, oh, but what anyway? Is it is it glasses up your nose that people didn't actually dive out of their seats when yeah. they saw the train coming into the yeah, station? Exactly. Yeah, well, it's a fun, but it's a fun way to clown on people from the past, Landon. Look Print at those legend. Look All at right. those dumb morons living in the past, <laughs> dying of polio and such. 
okay, I think we've talked ad nauseum about the pilot. I want to go. Hey, look, I got another ad nauseum in. Boom. Um, we're, we're racking it up. Put it on the board, everybody. I, the the uh, pilot, I, I will say, the pilot was on the bubble, and it had to get cut for other ones on my list of 20. Pilot is yeah. very strong. Go on. Um, The next one, uh, right before Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble, I, I kept this one for nostalgic reasons, um, and I, I, I can't get mad about including it, because it just it's such a fun episode, but I think Flying Sauces mm, um, mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is worth inclusion. A, because it's not... It's not a full-blown Halloween episode, even yeah. though it takes the place of a Halloween episode. Yeah. Uh, this is the one where um, uh, Brad and Randy clown on Mark to tell him that uh, mom and dad are actually aliens. We're all aliens, and we're going to suck your brains out if you don't walk backwards. And yeah. Tim and Jill catch wind of this, and they pull a prank, uh, a reverse prank, a counter prank on <laughs> Brad and Randy by actually pretending they're all aliens. And you get the like Jill wearing the the big metal chompers with the mm-hmm. you know glowy eyes. eyes. Yeah. You get the Anagata Davida, the the pre- high priestess of pop line, <laughs> and I think most importantly, this episode introduces the K and B construction crew. Oh my God, that was their first appearance. Jesus, I. I, and and you know and this that episode introduces the concept of the tailors playing pranks on each other at Halloween. Yeah. Like even if it's not an overt Halloween episode, it's like no, this is a thing that we're going to do for the rest of the show. I, I I think a lot of sitcoms there's there's a lot of pressure on them to go okay, you know every sitcom it's almost obligatory that they have to have a clowning around episode. Like yeah, what's our what is are we going to be a Christmas oriented sitcom where that's going to be our big episode. Are we going to be a Halloween one where we're going to get creative with, with pranks and, and jokes and spook em ups? Uh, are we going to be Thanksgiving? You know, wh- what is it that we're going to be? And I think right out the gate, home improvement just lays their cards on the table saying we, we, we love costumes. We love playing pranks. Uh, we, we love, uh, playing with colored lighting gels yes uh, let's <laughs> let's uh let's do that and we're gonna put it in the flying sauces uh i i think it's worth including on my list absolutely i salute that i i salute that very much uh okay do we want to do we want to continue ahead forging on into yeah, what do you got another next? season so uh season two oh, i still have one oh i still have one for this season well then well then hit hit it you've got okay see okay. my 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 list is weighted way later and yours is weighted okay. way earlier i like this a lot already yeah, I, I'm kind of curious because you said this was on the bubble and it popped off. Uh, I included For Whom the Belch Tolls. Really strong episode. It's. I have to admit, of my 20, if I had to kick one off, it would be this episode. Yeah. So I'm curious why you kicked yours off. But um, in re-listening to our our conversations about it, it is kind of a, a one-off episode. Yeah. Um, we never hear from Stu again. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't really get friends from Tim's past coming back anymore after this. Yeah. Um, but Christopher McDonald's performance really is so good. good. And what I think resonated with me with it uh, is that it dealt with such an obscure conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, a a mm-hmm. very specific, I have a friend from my past coming back into my life and I am not that person anymore. That yeah. he thinks I am. How do I fit into that? And how 
can I get him to see the person I currently am versus the person I was? Yeah. Like, that's a lot to bite off for a 23-minute sitcom. Especially in your first season, too, when you are yeah. still just getting on your feet with the characters. And look, I really like, A, that Tim's struggle in this episode is not, oh, I really want to party with my friend, but my old ball and chain won't let me. It's yeah. more like, I really want to hang out with my wife and kids who I love, but I also don't want to be rude to my friend. Like, it, it's not... I feel mm-hmm. like so many shows are... It's easy to go down this road of the man just wants to party and have fun and hang out with the dudes and it's a chore to be with his family. Like, to Tim's credit, that's never really the thing. Like, he never really yeah. wants to be out carousing he usually likes to be around the house he just kind of likes to be in the garage but he doesn't even mind if like other people are in there with him um, yeah right i, I don't know as as i think you teach them about cars and tools as yeah as long as they are just doing exactly what he wants them to do and listening to everything he says uh yeah he's happy with it <laughs> i i think that also i think what the, what makes that episode great is that it's about it is about manhood and becoming a man in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And Stu kind of represents a man who has not fully matured. And is, yeah, he's yeah, not really right. let go of his childish things. I think that's it's, it, Wilson even It's a shame and, and why I would kick it off the list if I had to, which is to say that by the end of season eight, I kind of feel like Tim would get along with Stu again. Yeah, yeah. It's... That's part of why I had to, you know, this is Sparta, this thing off of the cliff was yeah. just, there's, there's other episodes that I just feel have also a lot of heart and say a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. And this one, despite how much I liked it, just didn't, didn't stack up as well with them. And also a lot well, of the other episodes I watched more recently, so they stick more in my brain than this one. So, <laughs> well, let's go to season two. What do you got next? Uh, I jump, I, I skip most of the season to season two, episode 23, to build or not to Holy build. Shit. And this okay. is, well, wow, I'm really blowing your mind over here. You to, are. To build or not to build is an episode in which uh, Tim is encouraging the boys to hand make uh, Mother's Day gifts for Jill on Mother's Day. And uh, <laughs> Randy know. does not want to. And he wants to, like, he because he just doesn't like building things. He's trying to shirk the task. And Tim is really, it's about Tim coming to grips with the fact that one of his boys is not into home improvement stuff and how to, how to, how to get on board with that and be okay with that. And I I think, I don't know, what I like so much about this show, A, it's just, it's, it's very, it's very funny. The, the, there is really sharp physical comedy throughout, like, like early on when Jill is talking about the shitty gifts that she gets from Tim and the boys every year that are very clearly things that he just bought at a convenience store five <laughs> right. minutes before. Like, there's this bit where, like, she, you know, it's the candy necklace that, that he got her last year, and she tosses it across the kitchen, and he catches it. Or, like, Tim, you know, lifting lifting earmuffs off of Jill at one point to say something to her. Um, Timing is really good throughout, but also just that th- this episode is driven by Tim like taking to heart Jill's offhand comment or Jill kind of ribbing him about how crappy their gifts are and Tim marshalling the boys and saying, Hey, you're, we love your mom. She is wonderful. She does so much for us. Let's show her that we love her by giving her something by hand. And then kind of learning the different ways in which the boys show that affection. So it's like all of the comedy and hijinks are motivated by a desire to be good to Jill, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, you know. that's you get the, that last taste at the end of the season before we went into season three. I know, I know. It's you kind of enjoy it. Take a big deep breath and and hold your breath for as long <laughs> as you can for the next twenty six episodes. That's it, that's one of the, why I'm glad we're doing this because that's not something that would have stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the this episode um, as like a, a you know a tent pole of the season. Yeah, uh, but just hearing you reminisce on it like brought back a lot of those memories and the fact that kids were so young then still too it's uh it's what because also like there is there's a mark gets a primo little baby mark joke in that one where like he's on lookout for jill while they're trying to put together her gift secretly and jill mm -hmm. comes in and catches them doing it and like basically as she's she walks into the room has her first line and then we hear mark yell guys she's coming like just (laughs) that's right it's great it's it's little baby joke assassin yeah exactly <laughs> uh that's my favorite anime. Um Yeah, it's it's uh, online. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, I don't know but did I did I leapfrog a bunch of yours? Do you have a bunch of you season did. 2 standouts? I only have two. I mean, I think season 2 generally is a really strong season. Sure. Um uh I I chose two from this season. Um that yeah are are far before yours. Uh Rumi for improvement mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. was a good uh, concept for an episode and that it squeezed all it could out of its concept, which was um, Tim has to go room with Al uh, at Al's place for a while uh, mm-hmm. because Mark has chicken pox and yes. Tim's never had it. So he has to get out of the house. He ha- And what a, that's just like a great, like, we have to get Tim out of the house. How the fuck yeah. are we going to get Tim out of his own house while yeah. all of the rest of the cast are still there? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's never had chicken pox and Mark has it. Good. Boom. Boom. G- I- gone. A very 1990s thing that you could still do. Now Now you'd have to explain why he didn't get the vaccine, which, well, actually, <laughs> let's not speculate about why that might have happened. Go on. Yeah. Um, and so, like, just, we. this is before the kind of toxicity of season three where uh, putting Tim through hell didn't have to be through his viewpoint of the audience has to feel him going through hell yes it was just like we can we can all laugh at the fact that tim is being put into a situation and it's one of the first times we get al really like in his element yeah uh, element Ah, Um, you beat me to it (laughs) you've trained me in reverse like i have to say it before you do just so that i don't have to eye roll you for saying it i uh, no. can like swallow my own eye roll that's yeah hey look that's uh that's the best training of all it's saving me time and effort well we did a we did an audio commentary on this episode uh yeah. which i remember very vividly there, yeah. there's this is the one that introduces uh country line dancing oh yeah <laughs> that hell's a big fan of not only doing it and hosting it uh but the history of it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. He's got a crush on his neighbor, Cindy, yeah. and Tim ends up being sweet by the end of it, uh, you know, to help set Al up uh, to look good for her. I, like, that's um, where he says, I'm Al's assistant. I assist yeah. him. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And and Al looks at Tim with such love in his eyes and says, thank you, Tim. Yeah. Uh, that was, I don't know, it's just uh, such a sweetheart moment. Um, and then, of course, something for Truman uh, this is the 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 episode that introduces Mario and Michael Andretti. Yep, yep. The brothers, the brothers Andretti, <laughs> father son, father no, son. No, no. The last word you're going to hear on this on this show is that they are brothers, like Mario and Luigi. 
Um, th- oh. This is this, is this all, not also the episode that introduces Hattie? You know, uh, Tim putting on no the oh is it? Well, oh look, I just I just remember Tim being in the apartment and putting on. Hattie and looking at Al so hopefully no. saying, hey Al, what about we go out and get some dinner or something, just desperate to get out of the house. I think that was the second appearance of Hattie. I think the first one is uh, well, I don't know, I'm getting my, my episodes uh, shuffled around a little bit, but isn't it like heavy metal there, there's one episode where Al shows up thinking it's a costume party uh, right, in the right, yeah, he told me it was a he told me it was a cowboy yeah. themed party yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I so I think that episode comes before this, but it is the return of Hattie, and yeah. you know, any appearance of Hattie is worth mentioning. Always, yes. I tip my hat to that. The joke I've probably the made other before. Yeah. Episode I have from season two is episode fourteen, Howard's End. Mm-hmm. I I've, this to me feels like it fits into the definitive category rather yeah. than favorite. Although I mean there's a lot of overlap. But this is the one where Jenny is going away and asks Brad to watch over her fish. Right. Howard. Right. And he accidentally kills it. And what I like about it is like it's one of the first like the kids are off on their own having a story rather than Tim has to deal with the kids or Tim sure. has has the kids for the weekend or you know there's lots of that first season is Teach them table manners and take them to the the you know um, the opera monster truck show or yeah. whatever. Yeah, this is Brad and Randy are clearly off on their own, like doing having a storyline that has nothing to do with Tim and Jill. Yeah, um, and you know we get top notch Randy lines. Uh, we get like Brad a, a real good defining line between the kids at this point, rather than just them teaming up against Mark as a, a single entity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is, this starts to branch off their personalities a bit, uh, which I, I thought was, you know, a lot of fun. Um, and I know the, the other story in this is, I, I mean, it's not like top tier stories, but the, it, it's that Tim and Jill have Tim Jill overhears that Tim says that the, her car is his because he paid for it. Right. And it right, brings right. up this question of ownership and marriage and partnership and, you know, all that stuff. And um, I thought that, the, you know, that's just another one of those interesting uh, relationship questions that a lot of other sitcoms gloss over, you know, because, you know, they're dealing with too many schedule you know like oh, i gotta take the kids to soccer practice and you mm-hmm. didn't wash their uniform yeah oh, i think that that, that literally <laughs> happened on the that, show that, that well. does that that does that's that's the prompt for tim to then invent the uh the the yeah. washing machine with the automatic bleach ad adder thing yeah yeah anyway randy counting down like one two three that fish is fried mm-hmm. uh <laughs> all-time clip show moment for me that that somehow didn't make it into the clip show that uh tim personally curated <laughs> four years after the show went off the air yeah yeah it's good that's good that's uh, a good episode i should rewatch. let's uh okay so you said you don't have any more from season two let's go into season three I, I do I do I do quickly want to revisit to build or not to build just to also call out that oh, okay. in that Mother's Day episode that is a can be construction guys episode on oh, yeah. tool time where they do a big tribute to their mothers and uh first Pete you get the thumbs up <laughs> yeah the kid, Pete does the weird fucked up thumbs up reading this poem about how much he loves his mom and then at the end of the episode 
Al and the K&B construction guys are singing a song about how much they love their mothers. (laughs) And they're holding up tools, each of them, that spells out mother. And it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's really sweet. It's a chance for Richard Carn to sing. Great episode. Great episode. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Let's get into season three. We're not going to be there very long. Season three, episode four, a so-so evening. I also realize I should be calling out writers. The Meat Man, written by Rosalind Moore. Rosalind Moore, who gives, well, I give a shit. Uh, But, uh, you know, this, look, season three, everybody knows was a rough season for us. I think that yep. this episode is a lot of fun. This is where we meet Tim's obnoxious neighbor, the meat man, along with his wife, Marie, proponent of therapy. Uh, and Tim winds up telling the meat man a bunch of lies about Jill being an alcoholic in order to get him to leave him alone. This winds up coming out at a dinner between the two couples where uh, where uh, every you know the meat man tells all this information and Jill gets really mad at Tim. It's... I think th- this episode is just funny because it's it's like a farce to me. You know, it, yeah. this is not an episode that's necessarily about real family stuff. It is just fun to watch Tim tell a lie and then get caught in the lie to see Tim twisting in the wind at this restaurant trying to, you know, like watching Jill be coming furious at him and trying to cover for everything. There's a, a great line in there where the meat man is taking them to this, this steakhouse that he loves. And he's saying, Oh, you know, you got to get the meat rare. You're going to need a, some extra rolls to mop up all the blood. And then once the meat man kind of reveals that he is under the impression because of Tim, that Jill is a, uh, is an alcoholic who lies in bed all day. The waiter comes to the table as she's glaring at Tim. And she says, yeah, bring me some rolls. I'm going to need to mop up all the blood. And it's just mm. <laughs> right to commercial. That is an act out right there. Uh, so I think this is this is the highlight of a pretty dismal season. You know, I was reviewing season three and uh, wow. it is not a great season as is well documented on this show. But I was surprised there were more episodes than I remembered that I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's definitely a net negative for season three, but a few of the good ones, I chose two from season three wow. and I was very close to choosing um, a third one. And wow. I did look at you. Yeah. But okay. So this, the one that I chose comes uh, a couple episodes after yours. Um, number episode nine dollars and cents. Mm. Now I chose this one. I think I, my, my, Thumb was on the scale with it, which is this is the episode where the boys invest their money in buy a remote control car, mm-hmm. and uh, they because they're investing in it, they're told not to play with it, but they're boys, they end up playing with it, mm-hmm. drive it through the plate glass window, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. Die-hard fans of grunt work will remember this is the one episode I didn't see in its original broadcast. Right. Uh, <laughs> You were in Florida or something, or you're yeah. driving back yep. from Florida. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Florida got in the way again. Uh, so I, th- this is just the completionist in me couldn't help but uh, pick this one. Mm. Um, also, it's just kind of a fun episode. Uh, in a dreary season, it's just a – the conflict is silly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, boy-centric. Tim and Jill kind of take a back seat. Yeah. And uh, we just watch the boys kind of grapple with a thing about growing up and, and the meaning of things and self-control and – all kinds of stuff that I think are, are kind of interesting. 
it's it's and I feel like episodes like that that focus on the boys in that way are maybe a little easier for the two of us to relate to because we were little boys once who fucked something up and had to deal with that. We we were we were little boys once who fucked. Yeah. Well, well, I I mean, speak speak for yourself, Landon. I certainly was not. Uh but but we like, those are situations we've actually had. All this stuff about, like, this is how you mentor a child and teach them how, yeah. to, how to eat at a restaurant. Well, that's, I mean, like, we can empathize with that, but we haven't actually lived that experience. So whenever there's uh, an well, episode speak about... speak for yourself, German. Oh, <laughs> yes, you're right, Landon. That time you taught me how to eat a burrito in less than 30 <laughs> seconds was very informative for me. So thank you for civilizing well... me. Thank you for remembering my lost finger yeah. uh, from that <laughs> incident. Um, I, so I'm going to cheat here a little bit. I'm not going to talk much about this episode, but it was a toss-up between Dollars and Cents and Feud for Thought for me. Um, I, don't I did not these. end up choosing Feud, Feud for Thought. That's uh, Jill's reunion where she meets mm. uh, Joni, the mm, girl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day who stole her boyfriend. Yeah. Um, played by Lee Garlington. I think it's one of the better character actor performances. It, it's uh, a, it's they, a dramatic episode, as I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Her and Jill just have a, a real good come to Jesus moment over, you know, over the table while Tim is fucking with the PA system. Um yeah, I I seem to remember thinking that was um, an interesting episode. But I the other my actual choice for uh, season three um, is another kind of wild, wacky, just fun episode in a, a as I said a dreary season, which mm-hmm. is uh, too many cooks, mm-hmm. where Tim and L have to host uh, cooking with Irma. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes. I have I have such vague memory. Like I I remember they did that. I remember nothing at all from that episode. I can give you nothing, guys. I'm sorry. See, I blocked out a lot of season three, really, for my own yeah. sanity. Even this one. I mean, I was surprised you didn't choose Eve of Construction. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I mean, Jimmy Carter. You know, they're look, building houses for humanity. Look, habitat so, for humanity. Uh, look, and that's funny, and it's really great having Jimmy Carter in there, but like, I think that so much of my selection process was about, if if you have not watched Home Improvement and I want you to have the best possible impression yeah. of it, so much of that episode is Tim being like, women can't build things. Yeah. Listen, as much as I love the gentleman from Georgia who who miraculously is still alive, I... Uh, I as I of this taping. We've as done this taping. three times now where we've called someone out and then they've died between when we recorded and when we published. Well, okay, let's... Hey, you know what? Hey, listen, we've talked about James Hong a lot on this podcast, and at the time of this recording, he is still alive, so... You know. Why are you damning all these people? I'm not damning anyone. They've all had good, rich, long lives, haven't they? I mean, I, I don't get to decide who lives and dies. Um, oh, look, oh, oh. I, that, that bit is fun, but I didn't want to shine a light on the rest of the stuff that happens in it. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, yeah, cooking with Irma. Uh, there's there's a a little bit of season three stank on it where like Al is taking the lead on the show and Tim's kind of like being his assistant and being a little whiny asshole about it. Yeah. Um, but I, there's just the the it just it's it's classic sitcom situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you might even call it a situation comedy. No, thinking out loud here, but what's what's the studio audience situation? Are they live? Perhaps it's a yeah, and I think it's recorded live, but it's not live broadcast. Mm -hmm. How many cameras are we thinking? Two cameras, four cameras, one camera, four cameras. Yeah, four. What? Uh, Okay, Uh, yeah, it's just like the it's a role reversal. Um, mm, you know, mm. which is classic sitcom stuff. It's a fish out of water at the same time uh, situation. We're getting to see Al in his element, Tim out of his element. Uh, uh, we, we get to see a little bit of Irma for the mm. first time. Yeah. Uh, it answered a lot of our grunt work questions about what the fuck this uh, cable access is. studio is all about. Um, yeah. Uh, also, just yeah, see, so, seeing Irma, who has been referenced for so long, it is it is yeah. like if we saw Maris on Frasier or something. It's giving a <laughs> face to a, a legendary character. Okay, uh, let's go into season four. What do you yes. got for that one? Uh, look, I, I, I'm jumping straight into the latter half of the season. Season four, episode 17, It's My Party, written by Thad Mumford. Thad Mumford. I want to say this man's name uh-huh. a lot because he's a great, great writer. This is the only home improvement episode he wrote. He was a guest yes. writer on it. He fucking knocked it out of the park with this episode. Uh, he he has since passed on. Rest in peace. I I I, I cannot say enough great things about it's my party. Uh, the, this is the episode where Randy wants to have his first ever boy-girl party, and Tim builds a dance floor for it in the basement, and then he buffs it so aggressively with so much wax that Randy's crush uh, slips and sprains her ankle on it, and they have to take her to the emergency room. Um, it... You know, Tim is, this is, a, you know, Tim's actions here again, this, this is the way I like to see it. Tim goes overboard because he's just so desperate to be a good dad and give his son mm-hmm. the best possible party. Uh, early on, he's kind of showing some real genuine vulnerability with Wilson when he's talking to him about how, like, oh, man, Randy's growing up and, like, used to be I'd spend his, you know, we'd hang out together on his birthday and now he, you know, now he was growing up and he wants to spend it with girls and, uh it has one of the all-time best gags on the show where Tim is putting one more coat of wax on on the floor right before the party starts and it sucks his pants off and then he's going upstairs right as uh as Brad's crush <laughs> and his dad arrive and so Tim is like you know starting to come out of the base the basement and then he sees uh Randy's crush and her dad there and Jill's like oh Tim come say hello and Tim's like hi well come out why don't you no I'm good right here and then when the when Randy's crush's dad says, you know, mentions that he has a hot rod or something. Tim is so excited by that concept that he forgets about not having pants on and he walks out of the basement in his <laughs> boxers. And this is all happening in part of a conversation to try and convince Randy's crush's dad that they are responsible people who can take good care of her for the evening. <laughs> then Truman, yeah, I we agree and we are in agreement. For the first time, I'm surprised. Yeah, uh, I know. Halfway through this we, list. We um, I've also fun. chosen It's My Party. That's oh, so good. Uh, this It's My Party is just a front, top to bottom, from top to bottom, mm-hmm. funny episode. Yeah. It's one of the few that has a lingering image in my mind from the first time I watched it many years ago mm-hmm. to when we first started the show and like being excited that we would get to it. Mm-hmm. which is uh, they don't do it often on the show, but sometimes 
they would have a stunt person come in yeah. as if it was Tim. <laughs> and so yes. you talked about Tim's pants getting ripped off. But later in that episode, he's like, well, how slippery is this uh, dance floor, really? And he takes one step on it and, like, suddenly we cut to an overhead shot and uh, a stunt person has – you know, stepped in and is doing all this kind of break dancing moves. Yeah, while Tim yeah, yeah. Is, you know, pretending to like try to get his balance, and then he stands back up <laughs> I, as if it was Tim the entire time. That that image stuck with me for twenty years. Uh, the, the image that that stuck with me, and that is great. That is a hilarious bit. The the bit that stuck with me is when Randy is at the party, and you know, no one is using the dance floor. All the boys are on one side of the room, all the girls are on the other, and he wants <laughs> to go insane. talk to his crush. And he just, he, the music is playing and he just walks down off the stairs and he's just awkwardly dancing his way through the room, kind of halfway pumping his arms and grooving and like trying to look cool and then goes over to her and starts chatting. And it's, uh, it's so cute and it's so funny. It's just, it's (laughs) physical comedy and and dialogue based comedy because also, what I like about this episode, I, I, I'm sorry, I cannot remember the name of the girl who he has a crush on. I keep saying just Randy's crush, but she... Yeah, she, well, I'll, I'll look at that while you go through this. She's not just cute girl. She has, like, she has actual character to her. Like, she's, mm-hmm. she, like, I mean, her, mainly her thing is she's really embarrassed by her dad, but, Michelle? like, she's just... Michelle. 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 Michelle has this kind of self-consciousness about her dad she's like into randy but is also awkward about it like she's just not written as just sort of like i you know i am the cute girl and i say lines to set uh randy up for jokes like when when he dances over to her and is try you know is trying to make conversation he just goes uh i like your ears and she goes yeah thanks i always bring them with me and then she and, and then she says uh, she says i'm glad your dad finally put some pants on <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh last bit though that i have before i before i talk too much about how goddamn perfect this episode is but uh you know she's when she's sprained her ankle and and tim and jill are upstairs but they're trying to care for her that jill has made this big batch of punch with all this ice in it and it's like we got to put her foot on ice oh <laughs> uh, well there's no ice we put it all in the punch okay put her foot in the punch and they put it in there so her 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 foot comes out all purple that's one thing but then later like when her dad comes to pick her up at, while well, she is unbeknownst to him at the emergency room and jill is trying to stall for time he sees this bowl of punch and is like "Ooh, punch and before jill can stop him he takes a cup and takes a sip of it and he goes oh this is good and, and she says oh well yeah michelle helped make it and he says oh yeah that i could tell that michelle had a hand in this and jill's like well not quite a hand <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm gonna say the man's name again. Thad Mumford. God rest your soul. I hope you're up there in writer heaven getting just huge residual <laughs> checks. Um it's, it's such a good episode. Let's continue. Oh. Uh I have two more from season four. Damn. One dude. that comes before It's My Party and one that comes after. Okay. Um The one that comes before it, uh Kind of, it has some some jokes in it, but it's also a kind of learning episode. Okay, okay. Uh, quibbling siblings. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that where the boys are fighting all the time because they're sharing a room? 
no. This is the one where Al has to miss an episode of Tool Time, and Tim asks Brad to fill in rather than Randy. Right. Uh, and so Randy gets a little jealous and starts making fun of Brad because of it. Um, and there's like a – this is one of those episodes where <laughs> as non-parents and non uh, siblings, mm-hmm. you and I, yeah, yeah, foreign don't territory. have insight to things. Uh, I feel like maybe I've commented a little too much on parenting over the years, and I, I do regret that. But this you've, is—you've also commented a lot on how much you regret commenting on parenting. So I think the two things kind of stop. balance out at this point. Yeah, okay. you know, well, it, I won't stop balancing until I overdo it. So yeah, well, there you go, and that's uh, and and that's kind of what parenting is. I've okay, led to believe. Uh, go on. What? This gave me an insight into some of the the nuances of parenting, the nuances of siblings, where Tim has to deal with – I mean, of course, Jill's the one that points out that Tim has to go deal with this. But uh, Tim has to, like, be very delicate and and deft in uh, handling Randy. And this is the episode where Tim identifies, like – what he and Randy have in common that he and Brad don't, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. Brad, Brad, and it, oh, this is an episode that can only exist on the back of other episodes we've had about, you know, love is a many splintered thing where Randy wants to be a ventriloquist or is into <sighs> magic yeah. and not into car stuff. The one to build or not to build the one yeah. that you picked. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, he, you know, those have to exist so that he can have this conversation to go, listen, I know you're not into that stuff, but where do you think you, you know, you get your, your quick wit from, uh, you know, or like that's, they, they talk about their sense of humor, you know, that they have a lot of overlap in that. Uh, this is the episode that has the, the great line of Randy not being able to do his homework fast enough on the laptop. And Tim asks if he can more power the laptop and, <laughs> And he just goes, well, why don't I save you time? Just throw it against the wall. Beautiful, beautiful line. That is a line that made the cut for some clip shows. I'll, I'll tell you that. That is a strong one. Uh, yeah. And so I just, I, I really enjoyed Tim finding the unique bond between him and Randy. I mean, they never got around to doing it with Mark, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I thought it was just kind of a, a unique premise for an episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, well, I like I like that because the the show does go through a lot of, like, the rivalry between Randy and Brad is really cool the way they explore it. Because, you know, there's an episode where Randy is doing so well in school that he gets bumped ahead, and, and then Brad feels really right. dumb, even though he's been doing, he's really improved his grades. Like, they're, right. the, the way that the sibling rivalry plays out between them is explored in a lot of different episodes from a lot of different angles, and I think that's cool. I do, too. Uh... Do you have another one from season four? I don't. I know. I'm sorry, guys. I like my shit is weighted so heavily towards the end. (laughs) That's fine. I've got one more then that I want to talk about from season four, which is uh, no, no Godot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They try to sneak into the uh, the waiting for Godot uh, showing. Right. Or they try to scalp it. Uh, They're trying to no. They're trying to scalp their Red Wings tickets. Right. uh, Because uh, Al and Eileen want to go see Waiting for Godot, um, and Tim and Al have Red Wings tickets, so they uh, they get caught scalping the tickets and don't end up showing to Waiting for Godot, 
uh, and we spend half of the episode in uh, jail, yeah, waiting <laughs> for for them to get bailed out uh, by Jill and Eileen, and we just uh, it gave us uncomfortable Al, and mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a damning us a little bit because it's a version of Al I wanted to see so much more on this show. There's so many other situations that could have made Al uncomfortable uh, that could have squeezed humor out of that. But um, this is, this is really the pinnacle of it. Uh, He, (laughs) he's just kind of afraid of the other people in the, like you could tell he's never been to prison, never been to jail. I mean, that's Uh, afraid of the people around him. That's a reasonable assumption to make about Al that he's never been to jail. Nothing about Al has the look of dude who has spent time in jail to him. Right, exactly. And so just the the increasing nervousness that, that Al has in there, and Tim's kind of like playing it too cool, uh, but you could tell even at certain moments he he's getting a little like, okay, let's not fuck with that guy. Um, yeah. I mean, regardless of what that kind of says about the type of people who end up in jail, uh, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of a fun episode. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, we don't get enough opportunities to see Uncomfortable Al because it's either on Tool Time where he very much is in his element and knows exactly what he's doing and is just being flustered by Tim or it's just other environments where he is being wholeheartedly dorky without understanding why everyone is making fun of him. So it is good when they can put him in a situation where he can really be tugging on his collar like that. Yeah. Well, let's go to season five. I think we're going to have a little bit more overlap moving forward here. I I sure hope so. This next one, I I feel like the very first one from season five is going to be, I agree and we're in agreement moment. Uh, Let's say it it together. Season five, episode four. Four. Jill's Uh surprise party? Jill's surprise party, dog. It's a good episode. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, look, there there is there is some awkward shoe leather at the start to set up Bud not liking Al, whatever. This is the episode yeah. where Tim has arranged an elaborate surprise party for Jill's birthday. Tim is and Tim's whole business in the scene is Tim is trying to keep everyone at the house and everyone under wraps, but Jill fucks everything up by suddenly deciding to go to Ohio to get the uh piano oh, that the she had, had. Let's episode. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and yeah, and it's oh. like she has all these fond I memories. Forgo- I, I forgot just because of the title of the episode, I clumped it in with Jill's birthday. Yes, and didn't even bother reflecting on this episode. It's it, it's really it's really fun because Jill. This is a very Jill centric episode in a lot of ways. She has her own motivation that is really related to her sense of self and like reflecting mm-hmm. on her life as she's getting older. It's her performing an act of self care, just spontaneously being like. Hey, I know I was going to have dinner with you guys, but I I figured out where this old piano from my childhood is. It's with my cousin in Toledo. I'm going to go get it. Okay, I'll be back later. Bye. And Tim's whole thing in the episode, his entire motivation, it's about doing a really good good and nice thing for Jill and Tim having right. to like wrangle all of these people who are waiting around the house, keeping them from eating all the food. Like trying to this make this isn't the one where he's keeping them over at Wilson's, is he? Is the, it? He's no, he's keeping them over at Wilson's at one point, and then they're all gathered at the house. But before they can jump out and say surprise, that's when she's like, oh, "I'm going to go to Toledo." Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just, it's an episode about Tim trying to be nice to Jill and Jill trying to be nice to herself, and just 
Oh, also, this is the episode where we learn that Marie is uh, newly divorced and the meat man is gone. Oh, yeah. That's but right. It's but, but, wow, Marie was in it till season five. I know. Just me. just popping in occasionally. Uh, but but so yeah, it's it's really tightly written. It's really well written. All these pe- you know, all these fun scenes with with people. Uh, you know, she goes to get the piano, and it turns out that the um, it turns out that her weird cousin has turned it into this ridiculous art project with like an aquarium tank in it and everything. She comes home with the piano. She's very dejected that the piano's been basically destroyed by this. You know, Tim meets her at the front door, and she's walking in. She's talking about what happened. She says, I've just had a really rough day, Tim. I just want to be alone. And then everyone jumps out and yells, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, classic surprise party bit on a sitcom. Yes. And uh, and then just the way that the episode leaves it, Tim and the boys uh, have restored the piano to a working condition for Jill. And, uh, you know, they've done this really sweet thing. Jill is super excited. She sits down to start playing this piano that she's wanted to play for the whole episode. And it just, she's a terrible piano player. She sucks at it. And Tim and the boys, you just see, they're standing there, they're beaming, they're so happy at first. And then they hear her sucking at piano and their faces just sort of fall as they realize what they've gotten themselves into. And it's so rare on this show to see Jill vexing the other characters. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fun. It's great. It's a great episode. In, in, a, in a, a justified way, not in a, like, oh, God, here comes her meatloaf way. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's not about her cooking. It's about something totally incidental. Uh, so, uh, that's that. But now I, I get the idea okay. you're thinking of a different episode. I'm thinking two episodes later, I Let am... the Meat Cake. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of this episode, too, written by John Vandergriff. <laughs> who wrote a lot of episodes uh throughout the second half of the season yes um let them eat cake is essentially our season five halloween episode though mm-hmm. it's it's kind of halloween adjacent uh they're on a way they're on their way to a halloween party why why is al wearing a mouse outfit okay so this is the episode it's the it's the cable access awards that cooking with irma always wins nobody wants to go to this they just want to go to their friend's Halloween party that night, and the idea is just we're gonna we're gonna bring our costumes with us. We will leave straight from the ceremony. We'll just cut out early, right. and put on the costumes. But then, as they you know they are as they are in the process, like Al and Eileen have gone and put on their costumes first, and then they unexpectedly win best show. And so Tim in his tuxedo <laughs> and Al dressed as a mouse run up yeah. on stage to accept the awards. But this is also a Senator Jason episode. This is his debut. This is when he first got elected. <laughs> because while they're they're having this, and why is it being televised? I don't. I, I don't get that part. I don't understand how the TV <laughs> stations work. Well, cable cable awards banquet. I mean, being shown probably on a cable access channel. Um, probably the channel that been. Are, okay, hold on. All of the. <laughs> I'm just recognizing something about this. All of the shows that are nominated are shows that are being produced in the the same uh, studio yeah. as Tool Time. Yeah, it, it seems like it's pretty self-serving. <laughs> this is just kind of an honorary, like, let's let's give everyone in our 
our you know all of our coworkers their own individual awards here. Yeah, yeah. This this award show is stupid. All other award shows are totally cool <laughs> and have actual merit and can be relied upon, but this one is just a bunch of self-serving <laughs> pat on the back stuff. Well, okay. Anyway, it's being televised and Brad is watching it from home, but uh Senator Jason has convinced him to host a party while um, while the parents are out. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the one that has drinking for the first time. Is that right? Yeah, there's drinking going on at the house. Senator Jason, you know, opens the door to the house, basically, and just a flood of teenagers come in and immediately start partying and dancing. And they are drinking beers, although Brad is not. Right. Um, just a, a funny episode. Uh from start to finish, I, I really like the dichotomy of all of the, the different um, personalities of the shows yes. that are being hosted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, there's knitting with, uh, what, knitting with Nate or whatever, and it's this George R. R. Martin-looking dude who's, uh, he, he and his whole uh, his whole crew are just knitting at their table the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, it's a, anytime you can get Richard Karn in a costume... It's just comedy gold. And this is what, like, this is what is so great about a lot of the Halloween episodes. This episode in particular, they really recognize the inherent comedy of just people wearing funny costumes and doing otherwise normal stuff. Like, Al going up It's and- Richard Carnes specifically, though, to me. R- Richard Carnes, but there are later Halloween episodes where everybody plays on it. But, uh, yes, like, this is... Like Richard Karn giving this very earnest and enthusiastic speech about how we're finally getting the respect that we deserve when he's dressed as a mouse is there, the he's got this. I feel like Richard Karn, the performer, has embodied this philosophy, which is uh, an old vaudeville philosophy. Let the pie do the work. Yes. If you're getting hit in the face with a pie, you don't need to, like, blink your eyes wide and go, whoa, I yeah. got hit in the face with a pie. Yeah. You know, like, just, you got hit in the face with a pie. The more serious you can be, the funnier it will, will you know, end up being because you're letting the pie do the work. Mm-hmm. You're letting the pie tell the joke. Yeah. And whenever he puts a costume on, he embodies that. He's just like... I'm just going to be Al Borland. I'm going to just push through the situation. And I also don't have to do anything because the costume is doing the work. Exactly. Exactly. I, it, it, this episode does so much, I think, both both in terms of the writing, but also it's, it's a directorial tour de force. Just the way that the party is set up and it's choreographed. Like There's a scene... Uh, in there, well, I mean, there's a scene where Randy gets back from trick or treating. He's wearing like a Chewbacca mask or something, and you see him <laughs> walk into the house and just be very confused. Mask still on, about like, who the fuck are all these people at my party? What's going on? Going up to Bra- <laughs> right, you know, right. and then like he starts to protest, like. Uh, Senator Jason, everybody take his uh, candy, and he starts to protest, and then a bunch of big kids pick him up and just carry him outside, <laughs> and then. Later, Brad has gone outside to talk to Wilson, who he has noticed through a window as just this pumpkin head looking over the fence, watching the party raging on at the house, all (laughs) so beautifully set up and framed and everything. And as he's walking out to see this, we see Brad, not Brad, we see Randy, dollar in the jar, we see Randy get tossed from off screen into like a pile of leaves by these bullies. Like there's so much just kinetic energy to the way it's being framed and the way this party is playing out and i really i 
it, it's it's the show working on a writing level, a performance level, and a directing level. It, it, it's beautiful yeah. when they all are happening at once. I got one more episode from this season. Yeah. I was shocked that I ended up picking it. Uh, it's the very next episode, uh, The Look. Oh, The Look. Interesting. Yeah. This is one, another moment that just was indelible from my first watch. I think it was probably the hardest I laughed at a show in my youth. Wow. Uh, the exchange between Dolores and Al in the hardware store when Al sees the look for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I remember the discussion we had when we covered this the first time. Uh, I was nervous going into this episode that, like, Oh, after going through season three, is this going to be a kind of Tim Allen caricature hair roller, you know, uh, hairpin? Uh, I, I know what you mean. Hair, hair, pin, hair and rollers. Yeah. Uh, Holding a rolling, rolling pin. pin. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of bullshit, you know, thing. But I think it's Shirley Prestia who rules plays Dolores in such a like. I can't. I will. I, it's not only that I can't suffer fools. I will make fools suffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds like something she would have printed on a coffee mug. <laughs> and so it, I, it's entirely because of her that this episode works. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the the concept of it is pretty. You know, is what it is. But uh, it, the it's you know Tim is uh forced into buying season tickets uh, to the Pistons from Bud. Mm-hmm. Jill is like, why the fuck would you spend that much money without consulting me? Um, he tries to pawn them off on Harry, and you know Tim starts to uh, tell Al, who's unaccustomed to married life, like how women can get you to do things. All they have to do is give you the look. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, a shitty premise. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit that. Yeah. But the execution of it, is so good. You know, because I think that a lot of it also is just accomplished without dialogue. I mean, it's just her, you know, it's it's so much of, like, her looking at, at, at guys and guys withering. Or, you know, like, a, a single look from their wives. Like, something they're frightened of, despite all of their masculinity and bravado. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I like about... It ends on a very sweet note, which is... Uh, they they decide to um, divvy this up by creating a schedule, and everyone is going to buy a few tickets out of the season packet. So right. Harry's there, and Dolores is negotiating, okay, you can have one, but you can't have it on that day because we're going to my sister's. And Tim is like, well, if they get in the playoffs, I really want that, but I can only afford one. And Jill, who's been sitting out this entire time, decides to step in because she sees how much Tim wants to do this. And she goes... Well, I'll put some money in and I'll buy these tickets, you know, uh, and is able to, you know, kind of pull back because Tim had learned his lesson mm-hmm. uh, that she can kind of, you know, inch forward a little bit more there. It, yeah, it, it becomes a lesson about compromise and that's ultimately mm-hmm. what makes a marriage and a relationship work. Okay, uh, that's all I got for the look. Take us into what I assume is... <laughs> Twas the flight before <laughs> Christmas? Directed by or written by John Vandergriff. Oh. oh, you're just gonna skip right over Chicago Hope. Okay, what's the flight before Christmas? Hey, I you know what? I rewatched Chicago Hope, thinking it would go on here. No, it's not gonna go on. Yeah, 
I just not. Yeah. It's, it's kind of mid. I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't. I, I just don't love that episode. Uh, yeah. It's. I think we both chose that for season five. I uh, super we, 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 but we did. And you know what? Our, earlier, I was critiquing our fans' taste. Well, look at me now. I'm critiquing our taste. <laughs> it was twist of flight before Christmas. You've you've talked about this one a little bit before. Yes. It's uh yeah like it, it's it is an episode about Al. It is about you know Al and Eileen have gotten into a big fight right before Christmas because they were going to spend New Year's together but then uh al's mom calls and al invites her to their new year's and it's this whole thing where al has to choose between eileen and his mom she's given him this this ultimatum and at the same time tim and al are flying to kinross to be the grand marshals of an elf parade and (laughs) that that is just inherently funny just this concept of there being an elf parade (laughs) that yeah like unfortunate that we never get to see it but then they're trapped by a snowstorm up there, and Al is trying to to figure out whether he's going to continue his relationship with Eileen or, or double down on being a mama's boy. And it's there's a lot of Tim in this being upset about having to listen to Al and talk to Al, which I don't love. But a yeah. you've got the greatness of Tom Poston as the uh, as the one employee at the Kinross Airport ruining their lives, and it's also. There's a lot of great moments of just Al, like, this gives Al a chance to shine and to talk about his inner life and the things that he wants and desires in the world and, the you know, and being caught between, and also what his mother means to him. It gives Al um, some opportunities to talk about his mom in a way that is not just a punchline, but talking about how his mom has, like, always been there for him after his dad walked out. And, like, that's... right. This just this is this gives us a little glimpse into like yeah this guy loves his mom for actual good reasons, even though the episode is about him telling her to step off so he can be with his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and also we've got the whole great bit of the boys taking over on the Christmas light competition and in you know overpowering the lights so much that it is able to light the runway at Detroit Airport so uh, Al uh, so Tim and Al can get home in time for Christmas. <laughs> so it just all comes together in a really cool way. And I think this is a good example of something the show does very well, and it doesn't have to. I don't know who on the writing crew decided this at any point, but they're like, if we're going to talk about Michigan, we're going to be specific. Yeah. And has there ever been another show that has mentioned Kinross, Michigan? Uh, Probably not. I don't think so. Like, they, they could have picked anything, and they went with, like, such a specific Michigan thing there. As far as I could tell, there's no elf parade, but sad, uh, you know, like the show really goes hard on deep dive, Michigan geography, trivia, you name it. I, I really respect it for that. And that's something that you get when the, when the lead on your show and the kind of big creative force behind the show, who is now a producer on it grew up in Michigan and has so much, ties to to the place i mean he you know tim appreciated how important this show was to people in the detroit area and probably wanted to throw him some bones along the way okay anything else uh with that or should we venture forth let's venture forth man let's keep on venturing let's continue this okay you have anything else for season five i do not honestly okay then we are going to travel to season six yes uh I'm actually surprised you didn't pick games, flames, and automobiles, but eh. that's okay. Eh. Just keep going. Yeah. Uh, my my 
first episode in season six isn't until about halfway through, so oh. where do you want to pick up here? Uh, start with season six, episode six, Whose Car Is It Anyway, written by Adam England. <laughs> this is the episode where uh, Jill gets an inheritance from a dead relative and decides that she wants to use it to buy a sports car. Tim is very mm-hmm. excited until Jill uh, goes rogue and buys a British sports car. Tim is incensed by this. Jill forbids him to drive it, and then he eventually steals her car so he can drive it, and that uh, becomes a whole issue once he's once he's photographed driving her car. Um, now, did you pick this one just because you? This is the episode we had. Uh, the the hosts of the podcast you cheat on me with on uh, yes because my my mistresses Bo and Mike from Tope Suicida joined us I mean look yeah. I do I do have very fond memories of when we asked them for what what their guesses for the title were and Mike's response was man theft auto uh pretty good pretty <laughs> pr- pretty good um no I just I I like I. Th- when going into this, I was like, "Do I actually like this episode, or just have fond memories?" But it really does hold up because Tim has mm-hmm. taken Jill, like Tim has taken Jill car shopping. He's so excited and overbearing about this. But then, after a scene at the car dealership where Tim is refusing to let her make her own choices and she stone cold leaves him there, Tim comes back and says, "Hey, honey, I'm sorry. I'm being way over the top about all of this. I'm just gonna step back and let you buy your own car." And then when she says that. Um, when she says that I actually already got one and it's in the garage, the boys the boys are nearby and they say, "Well, uh, it's nice knowing you, you. Nice knowing you guys. Okay, bye." Or like they make some joke about how they're going to get divorced because she left Tim out of this uh, this decision. Um, uh, and also, you know, Tim going out and driving the car and then finding the next morning that uh, he was photographed doing it. Uh, and him and the boys trying to hide the newspaper with the photograph in it from Jill. Like at one point, oh god, th- like. There's this. There's the bit where she's like, "Well, Tim, wait, no, the metro section is missing. You've got it behind your your back. Why aren't you showing it to me?" And Tim goes, "I'm just trying to protect you from all the bad news in this crazy mixed up world." And there was a lot of bad news. Yes. This was uh, when we started reading the newspaper headlines. The debris of the riverboat going down the river, and the <laughs> yeah, some kind of huge storm killing hundreds of people. Oh my god! Uh, it gives more credence to that fan theory that it's just a hellish post-apocalyptic world outside their front door exactly exactly there's so much blade warriors being played out there (laughs) um you know this is the start of a whole lot of jokes about british engineering which i mean this is about as good as it gets i'm not offended on behalf of the british i just don't think there's that much comic mileage to be made um but and yeah and also then tim makes amends in a fairly genuine way because he talks to wilson about how he's just obsessed with cars and then he comes back to jill who's still mad at him and says look i'm i it's like it's like a 12-step program thing where he's made a list of every single time that he has been selfish relating to cars, and he just wants to go down this list and apologize to Jill for every one of them, which is clearly taking hours. And that's 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 funny. He truly wants to do better, and he's not just making a joke out of his apology. Um, let's uh, let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming your next one is gonna pop up before mine. Yeah, um, it is. What do you got? Uh, season six, episode seven. I was a teenage tailor, written by Eric Horstead. Ah, this is yes. a Halloween episode. I don't think it's, it's a good one. Yeah, this is this is a really good one where Tim and Jill uh, have been pranked so often by Brad and Randy that now they decide to do an elaborate prank on on them. And it's just, I mean, it it's just an elaborate. Yeah, it's just an elaborate prank set up the whole episode. A, this episode I think makes the best use of the let the pie do the work premise. There are so many 
different bits where Tim and Jill are test driving different Halloween costumes. So there's like them walking oh, in. That's right, yeah. Tim dressed as a chicken and Jill wearing an egg mask over her face and they're just like staring <laughs> at the boys or something and like lightning is striking Such a behind weird them. Moment. Yeah. Uh and it's also it is it is structured really well because it's like Tim and Jill are setting up this prank on Brad and Randy, but then halfway through the episode, Brad and Randy real like realize oh wait no they're trying to prank us so we need to prank them instead but then a little (laughs) deeper into the episode you realize oh no tim and jill still are pranking them but then oh no is al in on it or is al not and then in the end al and wilson are pranking everyone the episode (laughs) keeps flipping the script on you so you're always in the position of both feeling like you are in on a secret and watching a trick being played on someone and then discovering that no the trick is being played on you just (laughs) excellent structure and writing very funny episode I think you've got even one more before my next one. Uh, uh, well, I mean, y- yes, I I su- suppose that I do. Well, I have I have uh, Jill and her sisters on here. Um, oh, wait, interesting. Or okay. do I? Maybe I don't. I'm trying to remember. There were some last minute cuts. Uh, ah. Uh, yes. No, I do have Jill and her sisters. I okay. I like this episode a lot just because it is it is a window into. Jill's relationship with her sisters, them trying to plan mm-hmm. this. Uh, the sisters are all in town to help plan an anniversary party for her parents. Jill is dealing with the fact that in their family dynamic, she is always the one who has to play referee for all of her quibbling siblings. Tim in this episode is actively helping her out and trying to mediate. And it's, you know, it, it's about real shit and real family dynamics. It is still funny the whole way through. You got Tim and the boys camping out in the yard to give up bedrooms for uh, Jill's sisters. And you see Jill go through this kind of fun process of learning. To, well, fun. I don't know if that's what you'd call it. But she eventually she learns a lesson about needing to set boundaries. And, and you shouldn't always placate people who are making your life miserable. Like she eventually blows up at her sisters and Wilson kind of tells her, well, yeah, you needed to assert yourself and you can't always put yourself in this position where you have to run everything. And then Jill goes back to the house and finds that, you know, Jill's sisters and Tim and the boys have taken charge. They've booked a place. The sisters have gone out and bought flowers and she learns, you know, it's a really cool lesson that she learns. And the only, the, the only downside to the episode is that Tim at one point yells at Jill's sisters and calls them a bunch of hens. And, uh, that's (laughs) just that he yells, Quiet down, you bunch of hens, and the audience just goes ballistic cheering for it. And I'm like, oh, oh okay, 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 easy, okay. Anyway. <laughs> That's the, the perils of having an applause sign. I, yes, ab- ab- it's, it's the perils of having an applause sign, and it's the perils of being six seasons into a show that perhaps encourages a certain type of audience member to show up at, at a live taping. Um... Oh, also, I'm sorry, I would be remiss if I don't mention, this is the first episode where we see Wilson showing up at the cafe where Dolores works. Wilson and Dolores have a very warm relationship with one another that definitely... (laughs) Oh my god! Definitely... How did we forget about that fan theory? I know, I don't know, I listened to our old episode about it. They are fucking, They are fucking so much, and it should so much (laughs) have been... A plot line on the show. We talked about it in the episode we did. It would have completely blown up the neighborhood. It would have made so much hot goss. It would have been amazing because, yeah, I don't know, he calls her my little mocha or like a mocha java for my favorite customer or something like that. It's 
they have great chemistry together. Um, maybe Willow is their love child. Who knows? Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I like I like that episode. Jill and her sisters. Uh, yeah, Jill and her sister. I, I what I I do like that uh, episode a lot. Um, it wasn't one that like was forefront of my mind, um, but I do like that we get so much of Tim and his family, especially with Marty, and that. It feels like a little vacation every time Jill's sisters come around, even though it gives her anxiety. Yes, yes, it really does. Yeah, I, know, I just I like I like Tootie Roche especially mm-hmm. uh, as her sister, but just I think we only get two big sister episodes with Jill. Yeah, yeah, um, but they're they're both pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, and I I'm pretty sure Trudy Roach shows up in uh, Jill's surprise birthday party as well, but part of the yes. gag yeah. is that she has to leave before Jill can get back, so they just take a picture of her being there. <laughs> Alright, let's keep going. Uh, season 6, episode 11, Working Man Blues. Uh, yeah, I knew you were going to pick that one. Brad gets a job at a sporting goods store. He has a really cool boss. Yeah. Uh, Brad suddenly gets so committed to working at this store that he's skipping out on taking the PSAT. He thinks he can just not go to college and work at this store. Um, it's it's just a really tight episode. It is it is every line is funny. You get Tim having this real sense of power struggle of like, wait, my son idolizes another guy more than me, and also it's given him bad ideas about stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, He's getting a little jealous, but also, like, casting aspersions on him. Like, how much do you really know this guy? mm -hmm, Is mm -hmm. he a good influence on you? Yeah, yeah. You got Senator Jason in the mix in this episode hitting on one of the female employees who happens to be the sister of the guy who owns the sporting goods store. Uh, yeah, yeah, my spirit animal. Yeah, <laughs> my my working at a mall spirit animal. Yes, yes, she is she is so lethargic that she may as well be hiding inside a rack of coats to not have to do her job. <laughs> Excuse me, they were Britney Spears and corn backpacks, uh, not coats. Oh, okay, that that very accurately dates the uh, the the story. So if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna go there, go for it. Um, it, it's just it, this might truly be one of one of the best episodes of Home Improvement. Just full stop in terms of in terms of having heart, in terms of having laughs, in terms of just being tightly scripted bits coming back around, running gags and everything. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. To to go into detail on all the things I liked about it would take us even longer than we're going. But I I'm a huge fan of Mer- Working Man Blues, Merc and yeah, Wayne Blues. I... <laughs> I I feel like I should have picked this. I don't know why I didn't. I don't have an excuse for it. You knew I'd um, talk about it. I I knew you'd talk about it, but you know, I, we agree we're in agreement. I mean, it is it's it's a perfect episode. Uh and yeah, I, I my my next one is totally tool time. Yeah. I've talked about this Me too. a little bit. Uh is it on your list? It's or a, no? Yeah, yeah, we agree. Yeah. We agree. Yeah. Okay. We've talked about this a little bit. So I, the the context I want to give that we haven't talked about Totally Tool Time yet is why Drew Carey's on the show. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. They've got Swedish investors or buyers that are interested in Tool Time on the set. We see a lot of like the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, and th- everything goes wrong, and they can't get the uh, – the guests that they originally intended to get. And so they're just kind of grabbing everybody. Yeah. And if memory serves me, Drew Carey is playing a character with the name of someone they thought was someone else. 
I don't even think I don't even think it's that much. He has some really weird last name that's like Schunderword or something like that. Like they, th- there's this whole bit about like Paul Newman would be a good guest. Oh, that's great. Do you know him? No, but he'd be a great guest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. So just like the fact that they, Drew Carey is there, and like they're like they they had such ideas grandiose ideas of what this episode could be this is going to be the the one episode of tool time to impress mm-hmm. and then they get this roadkill scraper mm-hmm. uh played by Drew Carey who's just playing it so weird um while the the swedish buyers are also watching the now i i have to admit this is where my memory kind of fails a little bit um and i i might be conflating some of it with another episode but does this one have a, a man's yeah portion in it? it? It has the man's gym, which is that's right, yeah, and, with the masseuse and everything. Yeah, the the masseuse and the rowing machine that is a toilet, which is just oh, just disturbing, really awful. It, 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 yeah, what is great about this episode is it's kind of the only episode that is one hundred percent tool time backstage at yeah. tool time thirty rockin' tool time Muppet showing tool time call it whatever you will. <laughs> And I think that's really great, and a a sign uh, or like a you know a, a picture of what the show could have been. Like if the show like the show yeah. made the choice not to be too much about backstage at tool time, that makes sense. It's a family sitcom. That's what what they weren't trying to do. But it's really fun, and we meet people like Frank, their producer, who is this anxious skeezy dude who's kind of reminiscent of the hacky manager who Al gets later on, like this weird skeevy Hollywood player who inexplicably lives in suburban Michigan. Um. And it's just, yeah, it's, and it's fun because this whole episode, Tim is so busy just trying to woo these, uh, these Swedish investors that he doesn't have time to be mean. He doesn't have time to be selfish or anything. He's just doing dumb, desperate gags to try and keep the ship afloat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, it's firing on different cylinders than I feel like Home Improvement usually does. Yeah. Different type of humor is coming out, uh, and... I know it just tickled me in a, a way that I six seasons in I I was surprised at what the show could still do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that also if you're going off of this playlist, you're not gonna see any man's blank bits except well, for you'll this see one. the man's gym. You'll see the man's. <laughs> I'm just saying this way. If you're if this is all you see of Home Improvement as the episodes we're curating for you, then you get at least yeah. one taste of it, and it's like, oh, that wasn't very good. And it's like, well, you got about enough of it. There you go. <laughs> and it's wrapped up in a much better episode than all of the other man's bits are. Um, my next episode, uh, I have two more from season six. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, Family Unties. Oh, okay, okay. That's uh, this one was uh just. Yeah, a this one and my next choice, and maybe I'll just say both here. Yeah, uh, I have family and ties and taps, and mm, it's the mm. one-two emotional punch that I was not expecting from this show. Yeah, uh, f- uh, family, especially family unties. Family unties also on my list. So yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, you you're balancing such a, a funny premise. Tim and Al at a convention. Yeah. <laughs> They yep. have a table. They're 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 doing. Um, I'm sorry. They're doing uh, a live episode of Tool Time on location, going to different uh, vendors' table exhibits. Yes. Um, and you just it's like the premise of that just sets up so many 
great ideas. Like you could bring in all these wacky characters. You've got the uh, uh, character actor in the the concierge. Yeah, <laughs> who my idea is interacting with. Yeah, uh, who can kind of like you can write a, a character who takes too much pride in his own work, which is really specific. Too, too like much the fact that he got. What was it? The chili fries he got in the vending machine? Cajun hot fries. He's so proud of the way he stocked the vending machine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's just it's it's a wall to wall funny episode. But there's this kind of subplot going through it of Jill doesn't have anything to do. They're in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't she doesn't have anything to do while Tim is doing the on location episodes. And the kids are at the age where they don't want to spend any time with her. Yeah. So she's just kind of like constantly at a loss of, well, you want to go see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I'm not really interested in Bob Dylan's lunchbox. Okay, yeah. well, go have fun. <laughs> uh, you know, and the episode ends with Tim and Jill having this moment of like, fuck, we're being left behind by our kids. I mean, yeah. like, we're proud and, and you know, this has to happen, but. Uh, you really get that emotional uh, angle on what parents must go through when they're kids. And I know a few people that are going through it right now, uh, friends that are, are parents, um, where their their kids don't want to be spending time with them the mm-hmm. way they did when they were little. Yeah, uh, They're old enough to go off on their own and be trusted. And where does that leave the parent when, you know, 15 to you know, 16 years of their life is spent monitoring and guiding and scheduling and transporting kids. And you build your life around that. This, this episode really hits the, the emotional point of, well, shit, now what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's sort of a complicated set of emotions that the show is able to tackle in a way that is both very respectful and very funny. And it's, Great, because the episodes start, you know, Jill goes into this episode, she's talking to Wilson about how excited she is, because she and the boys always go and do things wherever the convention is, and then over the course of the episode, it's like, the boys don't want to get up, you know, early, and then, you know, Randy wants to go hang out with this other kid who has a cool laptop, and Brad wants to be at the Tool Show, and Mark wants to watch TV, and like, she's very sad about this, she's spiraling over it, she tries to talk to Tim about it, and Tim is really dismissive of her concerns, and they kind of fight about it. Tim is in the middle of his own shit where he keeps destroying displays at the convention, (laughs) which is hilarious. So much just great physical comedy. But then, in the midst of all this, uh, then Tim tries to go to Brad and be like, hey, Brad, you want to go, you know, do this next thing with me or help me out at this next segment? And Brad blows him off to go hang out with some hot tub girls. Right, right. Tim experiences the exact thing Jill has been that he just dismissed, and then he goes up to the hotel room, and they have this heart-to-heart. It's it's seeing both of them experience it and come to grips with it in their own way. Jill is a mother. Tim mm-hmm. is a father. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's heartfelt. It's funny. It's got Cajun hot fries. What else could you ask for? Did we mention that Ruth Bennett wrote this episode? Hats off to you. <laughs> well, then we go into taps. Uh, is this a- episode on your list? It, it's not on my list. I uh, Yeah, I had one slightly before this in the chronology. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, sorry, I didn't jump in. I didn't you, want to throw off your funky fresh flow. Oh, you have one before Family Unties? Yes, I have 
season six, episode 20, My Son, the Driver, written by Laurie Gilman, yeah. uh, which is the one where Brad gets his license and uh, Tim and Jill are at a friend's place. For, they're at Patty's for dinner, mm-hmm. uh, meeting her new boyfriend. Jill is freaking out because Brad is out driving after dark. She's worried that he's going to get in an accident. Eventually, she hears uh, on the phone that he did get an, in an accident. Uh, but it's just a minor fender bender. But then we learn from Brad that actually he rear-ended a guy, but he's lying about it because he doesn't want to lose his night driving privileges. And then it's Brad at the guilt until he finally confesses. Uh, this is uh, because because the guy calls to, says he's gonna sue, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely upping the stakes. And you see Brad in this pressure cooker situation. This episode, much like Family Unties, is about Jill learning to deal with the boys growing up and yeah. Brad as well to a certain extent. It's really an episode about what being a man is, at least from Brad's perspective, like about learning that, no, I have to stand up and take responsibility. Like, this is what an adult does. I'm driving like an adult. I need to be an adult. I can't lie about this thing. I have to, you know, he ultimately decides to just come clean with his parents and they are like, okay, well, you're grounded for a month. And he's like, yep, okay, that's acceptable. Like, he protests a little bit, but then he's like, (laughs) no, you know, I I lied to you and took your car. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. And... I, yeah, it's it, and and they have you know they they then afterwards they have this Tim and Jill also have a very reflective moment about like Jesus kids man they're always surprising you what are you gonna do <laughs> I mean yeah but but and it's also like I can't believe he did this but also I'm really proud that he eventually came clean with us I'm sorry it took him this long um yeah. and 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 it also had a little bit of a dynamic that I remember you enjoying at the time of Patty's boyfriend uh, becoming like. Revealing himself to be another Tim. Yes. Yes, he's he, he installs uh, industrial-grade fans, and he's building a new Polish restaurant, and he and Tim are getting really excited about it. And you see Patty in real time realizing, I am going to break up with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I think, just a spectacular episode, but I also don't want to take away from the emotional punch of Taps. So Taps, taps. is, like, I think we've seen... Uh, even going back to season one, Bubble, Bubble, Toil, and Trouble, uh, we can still get the name out a few more times. Uh, (laughs) We get to see the kind of – dramatic is a little reductive to me. The the kind of pathos that that Patricia Richardson can bring to Jill. Yeah. um, There are moments of it, obviously, Family and Ties we talked about, but Family and Ties and Taps being the one-two punch where I wasn't expecting Family and Ties – especially in such a funny episode to go emotional. Yeah. And then just like sucker punching me with taps, uh, the episode where the Colonel dies, Jill's dad. Mm -hmm. And she, he had wanted to come visit and she lied and said she, uh, had something going, but she was just really tired and, uh, uh, didn't, you know, feel like a visit at that time because it stressed her out. And he dies with that on her conscience and we get Tim. We, we what do we call him in the episode? He was oh, like uh, 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 like a grief, not a grief ninja, but like a grief a grief Sherpa or so, like I, <laughs> yeah. He just was like uh, Greek uh, grief savant. Yes, that's like, it. As soon as grief happens, he knows beat by beat what needs to be done and how people need to be treated, and walks. He sets everything up for Jill, but he also takes the responsibility of walking the boys through it. Mm-hmm. And each one of the boys having a different experience with yeah. it. Randy wanted to joke his way through it. Mark being overly sensitive to it. Brad just kind of grappling with it. And he takes care of that. But 
then we get the stuff between Jill and her mom. Yeah. Uh, and, and talking about, you know, she comes clean about, you know, lying to her father and Jill's mom is like, it's fine. He loved you. It's fine. And we get such a powerful performance from both, both of them, Polly Holiday and Patricia Richardson. But I, 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 there's, I don't really even have the words for the, the S tier. Yeah, there you go. The kids uh, are saying it. Acting that uh, Jill puts in here, that Patricia Richardson puts into this episode. It's, it's, you feel the weight of a character who's been mentioned many times, seen twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, his presence is felt here through and his is absence, brought to life by Patricia Richardson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that the like this, including this episode, a thing I did not do because I was pressed for space. It, it it shows the range that happens on this show. And like this is certainly not this is not a joke forward episode, but this shows that the ep- that. that Home improvement can go to really emotional and intense places, and the cast has the depth of talent to be able to do that. And I mean, it's not just, certainly Patricia Richardson's performance here is the linchpin of all of it, but also you're getting dramatic performances from each of the boys as they grapple with this kind of first brush with death. And it's it's really an impressive showcase of what these people can do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't have too much else to say about it. I just think it's like... When you're putting together a playlist of this show, like you can't overlook the the realness that it goes to sometimes. And this and another, I'm gonna tip my hand a little bit. Another episode um, really show that it can pull no emotional punches at times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they uh, and and, th- and these aren't even the emo- the pulling no emotional punch episodes that most people associate with the show. They always think about the one where we think Randy has cancer, but. I know, I know, and we didn't, neither of us picked that one. Yeah. Okay, should we move on to season seven? Yeah, we absolutely should, because now we're getting into some of the, uh, some of the fan favorite territory as well. Um, my, my first pick from season seven, I don't know if you've got something before this, uh, season seven, episode seven? Of course I do. Truman. (laughs) My favorite episode of all time. Oh, of course. Season seven, episode five. Well then, well then let's talk about A Night to Dismember. Uh, let's, shall we? <laughs> when, when I, when I didn't pick this one, I was like, that's fine. I know Landon's going to talk about it. A Night to Dismember, uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying this to gloat or hold this over you, but, and I know I've said it a hundred times before. I've been a Matt, Mark fanboy from the get-go. You are, yeah, yeah, that's true. And it took seven seasons for them to give Mark his own episode. Yeah. Not an episode where Mark had a problem and... Tim suddenly had to be the person to solve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mark is the the cause of the conflict. Mm-hmm. He's also the mystery. Like it's it's a Mark centric episode, even though he's still kind of on the fringe because it's Jill and Tim questioning whether or not. I mean, this is our Halloween episode, mm-hmm. questioning whether or not Mark is actually going to kill them. Yeah, <laughs> which and it's 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 set up. It's seeded so well because. Just a few episodes before, we introduce Gothmark, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and like it's it's kind of a surprise that Gothmark uh, is a continuation and not just a one-off joke at the end of that one episode. Yeah, uh, that we're like, what's going on with Mark? Like they put that question in our head over the course of one or two episodes, and it they they sow that seed so well here mm-hmm. by going, Mark, it's Halloween. 
he's into videography now. He's a goth. He's got this weird friend named Ronnie who doesn't talk, who wears a spiked collar, <laughs> and he's going to make a horror film. And the horror film is seems like a proxy for <laughs> his real life, but in that his real life uh, or in his horror film that's proxying real life, he's going to kill his parents. Yes, it. <laughs> I can I can also see how this both for you as a horror movie fan and also you as a kid who was making movies and being in movies or trying to be in movies at, from a, a young age. It's like. I don't know. I feel like there's there's a lot to relate to here. I mean, I'm certainly for me as well, like seeing the way that Mark is getting into movies and the kind of stuff that he's into and not being able to find a lot of other people around him who get that and are on that level. I mean, that really that really hits home in a lot of ways. It's relatable. <laughs> well, I mean, it is relatable. It's not why I like this episode. So, you know, if if Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble is my definitive episode, A Night to Dismember is my favorite episode. It's yeah. my, my personal you know, like this is the one that tickles me the most. Uh, and what I just love about it is it gives the entire cast credence to just be silly as shit. Mm-hmm. Like Brad and uh, Randy, when they're acting inside of, you know, Mark's video, Brad is playing the dumb jock, you know, in the, the football getup. And Randy's playing the, you know, smart Ivy League uh, brother. And they're they're playing like such extreme versions, kind not really even of themselves, even though it is supposed to be kind of of themselves. But they're acting within the movie, the the movie within the show. Yeah, <laughs> uh, is like they could just go all out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that that moment when <laughs> Randy jumps, literally jumps into the arms of Brad, and Brad shoves, tries to shove a cookie, you know, <laughs> between the the bars of his football helmet. <laughs> like it's just, it's silly and dumb, and not even to get to uh, Wilson and Al uh, <laughs> as as the mad scientist and his assistant <laughs> uh, getting literally nose to nose in a shot. Two consummate professionals not cracking up. I, I just, it's it's so, it's so good. It's just so much fun. You know, you know who totally would break in that scene? Drew Carey. Drew Carey. Drew Carey. <laughs> that's why. That's why they didn't cast him as Wilson or Al. Uh, that's why. That's why he wasn't in in Mark's movie. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I. I mean. Just go listen to our episode on A Night to Dismember for all my thoughts on it. I, I can't even begin to summarize them. I just love it so much. Yeah. No, there, look, some episodes are treasures. Some episodes stand out. And this episode, to just give you a sense of where we are, I've forgotten so much of it. I know I, I liked it at the time. It just How it just didn't dare you. stick with me as much. I'm sorry, man. I, I, am, I am a – look, I rewatched uh, Bubble Bubble Toil and Trouble, and it made a big impression on me. I couldn't let, okay, I good, couldn't good. let too much stuff uh, – uh, you know, <laughs> turn my perceptions around here. Um, well, okay. Next for me, at risk of, of taking you away from your favorite episode. No, go for it. Uh, season seven, episode seven, Jill's passion. This is the first of the Tom Wopat episodes. Jill is going <laughs> to the gym. She meets a cute guy there. Who <laughs> the Taylors are suddenly going? To they're the gym. suddenly just gym rats. They they built a gym <laughs> set, and it's like, well, I guess we're all we're all. Di- you know how when you're going to school and and working full time, you got three kids, they just have time to go to the gym constantly. Um, but they, she meets a cute guy at the gym who mistakes Tim for her husband based on just how platonic their dynamic is. 
This guy asks her out. Jill then has a sexy dream about kissing him at the gym. This puts her into a crisis of confidence about her relationship with Tim. And they wind up... This whole episode, Tim has been kind of ignoring Jill because he's obsessed with trying to set up meetings with his car guy, Pee-wee, who's going to get him, like, some authentic gear shift for the hot rod. But Pee-wee keeps standing him up. I know, another, another car guy who we never see... But, yeah, that's right. It's definitely – that one's all completely over the phone, right? Yes, exactly. Or he's yeah. just always like – he's talking to him on the phone or like, you know, Tim's saying like, oh, I got to dinner reservations at Vitello's tomorrow night. And Jill's like, <laughs> oh, really? And it's like, yeah, I'm taking Pee Wee there, so we'll give me a line on this new gear shift. But she – you know, finally she just talks to Tim about, about you know, how she had this dream about this guy who asked her out and she and Tim then spend all night talking about their relationship, talking about what's going wrong in their relationship, talking about how they've changed and how they've grown, and they wind up coming so much closer together through this conversation. It's it, it's just, it's a really great episode because it is about Jill. It is about the way that two people can love each other and how that love can grow and how that love changes over time and how a relationship, mm-hmm. much like a car, needs a tune-up from time to time. Tim specifically says, well, listen, let's give our relationship a tune-up. Let's go out for dinner tomorrow night and do all that. Like, Tim takes Jill's uh, criticisms or, uh, like, he, he takes her concerns about the relationship seriously. Yeah. Tim also, talking to Jill about how one of his problems in their relationship is that they're not having sex as often and how he's not able to feel close to her because they're not. It's he expresses his sexual frustration in a really kind of candid and vulnerable way, which is uncharacteristically mature for both Tim and this show. And it's very much not the kind of Tim sexual frustration that shows up in the live show tribute. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I, Th- this is the one where they, they stay up all night. Yeah. And talk. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they just, it's a bunch of different cuts of them just talking about their relationship and it's like, you know, them, you know, eating dinner in bed together, talking about it and yeah. giving her a foot massage and they're talking about it. And yeah, it's and that's it's one of the things that I remember the fans who picked this one talked about, you know, the the moments that they've done that in their own relationships. Yeah, and I can see. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. I can see it happening on other sitcoms, but it feels very earned here. Yes. After seven seasons, you know, we've seen different iterations of closeness and distance between Tim and Jill. Like, it felt, I know, it felt very refreshing to see. Yes. Yeah. And and this presents a version of Tim that I, I've talked about liking so much, where Tim is, in this one, a big, dumb, benevolent force of nature. He is just <laughs> yes. always just obsessed with going to talk to Pee Wee or whatever, back and forth. And, and... Then when he and Jill are talking, at one point he says to Jill, listen, I wish sometimes you would look past what I say and hear what I really mean. And that is really kind of the emphasis of what I always want Tim to be. A guy with fundamentally good intentions who is so dumb that he always phrases things wrong. Like, at one point when Jill is talking about, like, has the love gone out of our marriage, Tim is saying, like, well, no, but our marriage is comfortable, you know, like an old pair of shoes or some really old sweatpants or something. Like, he's... What he's saying is sweet, but it is also exactly the wrong thing for Jill to hear. But you can see how in Tim's view of the world, he's complimenting her and complimenting their relationship. And yeah, it's it's very mature writing that I that I just love so much. Well, I we apparently season seven had a a string of of episodes here because I'm going to the right to the next one. Episode eight 
losing my religion ah. and staying with that kind of maturity in writing. Mm-hmm. Um, very impressed with this one. We didn't talk about the marijuana episode. No, we but didn't. This one feels a little more on brand for me, mm-hmm. um, which is a heavy topic yeah. to be handled uh, on the show. We talked a little bit earlier when I was talking about Eileen Heckhart. Yeah. And uh, Randy is getting into um, his kind of philanthropical stage, his, you know, social consciousness stage. He's learning about the world. He wants to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. And he volunteers at a hospice clinic. And the person that he's assigned to is he learns over the course that she is uh, terminal. Yeah. And. He's kind of struggling with his religion in this, hence the yeah, <laughs> hence yeah. the name "Losing My Religion." Oh, that's where um, it comes from. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it's not just the poster of REM on Brad's wall for some reason. <laughs> um, the you know, like he he stands in defiance, not in like an insulting kind of way when they. Something that comes up on the show every once in a while when they're like, we're church people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Randy's just like, I, I, don't, I don't see it right now. Mm-hmm. I don't see what that means. I, it, doesn't, it seems apocryphal at the moment. Uh, how, can, how can you go for all this when, you know, my, my friend is dying terminally? Yeah. And grappling with what, you know, his family is bringing to that, but also – I uh I can't remember her name on the show or on the episode, but oh God, I'm so, I can't I, either. Eileen Heckart's uh character yeah. is uh, Elaine. Yeah. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> yeah. Easy enough. The the clue yeah. is right in front of you, Mr. Snowman. Yeah. Uh Police where man. Elaine's kind of viewpoint of how she's approaching life and what she wants to do and how she wants to live her last days. Mm-hmm. Uh it really just it puts Randy in a, a existential question and what I was really impressed with with this family show wasn't like god has all the answers Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) just come to church pray and you'll find your way yeah it's like you're it's good that you're asking questions and it's good that you're finding your own way yeah and and you'll get there Mm -hmm. you know like whatever it ends up being it'll be right for you yeah it's it's maybe i'm rewriting that a little bit (laughs) no well (laughs) no because that that's where it it doesn't end with him you know, rediscovering his Christian faith. It it ends with him kind of just being open-minded. I think him, I think he still goes to a church service, but it's, he's, he's doing it in his own, in his own way. Like not really as a Christian, but as someone who is just like more than anything, I want to just remember and think about this person who meant so much to me in this time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great, I'm, I'm really glad you put that one on there because it's also, I, I fear that my episodes don't highlight enough of JTT, who just is, uh, you know, I, I may have mentioned before that he he's my best friend, but uh, he does <laughs> he, he does a lot, and this shows some really good range. Again, right. I, I think more impressive range from him than the, the big famous cancer episode, this one where he's grappling yes. not with his own death, but with the concept of, you know, wh- why is a just God supposedly doing this to this person who I've grown so close to? This is why I think we we've made such good podcasting partners over the years is I've chosen the Mark and Randy episodes. You've chosen the Brad episodes. Yeah. Uh, I've, you know, we're, I've chosen some of the, the more emotional Jill moments. You're choosing some of the 
funnier, you know, Al and, and Tim moments. Uh, you know, I think we were balancing out and, and getting a full swath of, of what the show can offer. Yeah, although I think both of us expected to have way more overlap than this, which is why this segment is taking yeah. much longer than we planned for it to. <laughs> for, for once, we don't agree fully, and we're not completely in agreement. Well, we agree and we're in agreement, but it's more like uh, I accept what you're putting on the table, and I... We're we're in respectment. I, I I love I love how you're disagreeing with me about how much we agree on things. That's that's really <laughs> some meta next level shit. Well, I'm not I'm not. There's not one you've brought to the table where I'm like, no, fuck that episode. Why the hell would you pick that? <laughs> I think all of your episodes have been, uh, and you've had great justifications for them. And my next one is workshop till you drop because it's oh, great when the off. woman takes all the blame for everything. Yeah, blah. out of here. <laughs> I'm not doing this podcast with you anymore. Well, well, g- good news. You're you're almost free. Um, okay. Uh, do, do you have more on losing my religion? Nope. That's it for me. Season seven, episode ten, the dating game, written by Laurie Gelman. Uh, mm-hmm. Al learns that Eileen is engaged, and um, oh yeah, and sends him into a slew of despond. He is he is lamenting all over the place and spending lots and lots of time at the Taylor house. Uh, so eventually, Jill and the boys force Tim to take him to a singles bar where they wind up uh, hitting it <laughs> off with a couple of women, one of whom falls for Tim mm. really hard, and then they have to go back. Um, th- this is I, I was I'm just surprised that you picked this one. I, I'm I'm very curious to hear your justification. It was fun. I, I just it's one that I'm like I, I'm a little surprised to hear it's it's like on your top list. You know, it's. I, I think that all of the stuff of them, it, it's a fish out of water episode for both of them, but it's mm-hmm. interesting to see both Tim and Al completely out of their element and both kind of freaked out. Like, Tim is frequently out of his element when it comes to tools or cars or something like that, but he never admits it and, you know, he blows everything. Like, he never he never shows, he's, he never, like, shows fear when he is in over his head with tools. When it, it like... Going to this singles bar, Tim does not want to be there. He doesn't want to go. And it's like Jill forces him to go to a singles bar and and take off his wedding ring. Yeah. That is what really crushes this is like it, it's not the guy being eager to go out and hang out with a bunch of pretty women and having to hide it from the wife. No, no, no. It is the wife forcing him to because she's sick of Al hanging out at the house all the time. I think that setup is very funny. Them at the bar, struggling to just like you know, you know, having these women throwing them them at them, and Al not knowing how to handle it because of his nervousness, and Tim not knowing how to handle it because it's like I'm married, I don't want to be doing this. It's <laughs> that is very that is very fun. I and and then also, I mean, we get this great setup then where they they you know tim takes al into the bathroom and is saying like look we can't we can't be here you've got me trying to be something i'm not i hate having her hands on me and then this guy comes out of the stall and watches them having this conversation and gets the wrong idea <laughs> um so like i th- i just i think that it's very it's a very funny episode that gets both of them out of their comfort zone that is all motivated by a desire to help al on some level and then also, yeah. this is another episode that goes so hard on its directing. There are there is 
There are a couple of really long <laughs> boogie nights shots that follow like Al all the it starts in a tight close up on Al's face leaning over Jill's shoulder at the computer and then follows them all the way through the house to the kitchen. <laughs> There's them at the singles bar, all these shots of the singles and Tim and Al, the camera coming to rest on them peeking in being totally terrified by what they're seeing. Um the the woman who Tim meets being obsessed with his butt. There's a scene like Jill <laughs> Jill dressing Tim before they go out there being like, no, 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 Tim, you can't dress like that. You got to wear those. You got to wear those tighter pants. That's that's what's really going to do it. Tim, like Tim trying it on. And then Jill saying like, wait, we need we need an unbiased opinion. And we smash cut to Wilson looking over the fence going like, "Okay, spin for your neighbor, spin for your neighbor. (laughs) It's it's got a great pace. It's got a lot of great jokes. It's got situations that you don't expect to normally see them in. And it ends with um, well, it it both ends with. Uh, you know, Al has been talking about how every time he goes to a singles bar, he usually just winds up building uh, structures out of swizzle sticks. And in the end, he finds a woman there building a house out of swizzle sticks and he joins her. And uh, that's very funny. And then Tim is still at the bar and the guy who they'd seen in the bathroom comes up and sits down next to him and says, well, hello again. I'm Richard. Do you like jazz? And that's like, I think the, the, the classiest way to do a gay joke in like 1998 because it's like it tim is not disgusted by this tim is just like oh god what do i do now it they don't they're not making a, a i don't know like he's not coded in an obnoxious way and we cut away before tim's reaction can overdo it and it's just i don't know it, it's it's a really funny episode that that it goes in a lot of funny places and i highly recommend it's interesting yeah i like i said i i'm I'm glad we have a uh, an Al centric episode that's outside of Tool Time. Yeah, you know, uh, I feel like a lot of his st- time with Eileen was subsumed by Tim stuff. Yeah, uh, so just 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 kind of getting like the life, the day in a life of Al mm-hmm. uh, is good. I, I, I'm surprised we neither of us picked Tim the landlord Taylor because yeah. that also had some good Al stuff in it. Yeah, um, but. I don't know. I, I'm not upset with this this choice at all. I'm just, I'm a little surprised, but I'm not upset by it. Good, surprised but not upset. That's what I'm always gunning for in my relations with others. <laughs> uh, you have anything else from season seven? I actually have two more. Oh, holy shit! I, okay, I, well, I'm, then keep going. Look, spo- spoiler alert, guys. If you want to see the best of home improvement, you can really just kind of jump in at season six. Basically, the, the density of real banger episodes kicks up there. Oh, don't skip over mine. Well, I'm not okay. Well, I'm, if you want to, if you want to do something that would make me happy, if I'm your favorite host, then you could do that. <laughs> Season 7, episode 17, Taking Jill for Granite, written by Lori Gelman. That's right, folks, the second okay. Tom Wopat episode. You at Wait home liked it, and I at home are liked you... it, too. Are you our listeners in, like, uh, Bugs Bunny wig? Uh, w- w- what, like like duck season, rabbit season stuff? Uh, oh, I, I don't know. I was, I was picturing more you're dressing up. Oh, like dressing up like, like a, a sex, bunny, sexy but... version of our listeners yeah. and, and seducing yeah, I, I, I was I just know. coding our listeners as sexy uh, I, without really I think all, acknowledging I, that. You but... know what? I think our listeners are sexy. I think every – hey, listeners, you're beautiful, all of you. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I rewatched this episode because it came up like our listeners loved it. And I got to say, this is a banger. This episode really is good. It is a Jill-centric episode yet again. In which Tim is another big, dumb, benevolent force of nature. Tim is just obsessed with getting new granite countertops. 
uh, because this kitchen renovation has been going on for so long. He finally finds the perfect granite guy, but oh shit, it's Tom Wopat, who Jill had the sexy dream about. <laughs> uh, Tim does not realize this is the same guy, even though he knows about Jill's sexy dream. Um, so it's Jill grappling with this guy being in the house, them being alone together a lot, them kind of like having this this flirtation and everything, and Jill still thinking is really attractive. Eventually, he she gives uh, Tom Wopat a ride home, and he kisses her in the uh, in in the car, and she's like, "Whoa, I'm not I'm not into that. I'm sorry to like leave it alone." And then Jill comes home from this and confesses to Tim that about what happened and it's this this incredible scene between them where where tim is both furious that she's fired the granite guy he's outraged that the granite guy has come on to his wife he is trying to get his head around the fact that jill finds another man attractive they have this big fight and then jill comes back in after talking to wilson and is saying, like, look, we, we should just ignore, like, I still love you. I would never think about blowing up my relationship for you, even for a second. Yes, I'm attracted to him, but surely you find other people attractive? That's okay. Tell me one other woman who you think is attractive. And Tim kind of goes, like, no, nobody. Come on, do it, Tim. Patty. Patty? Well, Patty, yeah. Like, it, <laughs> it, it's about real shit in a relationship. It's about them being mature in the way that they relate to each other. Tim, yeah. Like, it is a masterclass in acting from Tim Allen, and he also has these very great moments where Jill, Jill is saying to him, like, no, 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 but I, but I, I, you know, but I love you, Tim, and he's just kind of looking at her through, through halfway closed eyes going, do you? Do you? <laughs> um, and, then, and then the episode ends brilliantly with this Annie Hall homage where Tom oh, Wopat yeah, yeah. returns to get the his grunting. tools, and he and Tim are just grunting at each other, and it's subtitled. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, it's, it's a great episode that shines a light on Tim and Jill's relationship and the way that, you know, relationships change over time. Uh, fantastic. Well, you have one more from season seven. I do have one more from season seven. That's season seven, episode 23, Rebel Without Night Driving Privileges, written by Jennifer Fisher. Um, your favorite episode of the season when, you, uh, when we first watch it. It's, it's top notch about more real shit. Randy has gotten his driver's license, but because of all the shit that went down with Brad's driver's license, Jill isn't going to let Brad drive after dark for the first month. Uh, wait, isn't going to get let Randy drive after dark for the first month, dollar in go. the jar, whatever. We've been recording for so long, guys. It's an episode where everyone in the episode is behaving rationally and everyone in the episode, like you, you can get behind every single position. It is totally understandable that Jill doesn't want to let Randy drive after dark because of what happened with Brad. It is totally understandable that Randy is going to be furious about that because it's so unfair to him that he's being punished for the, for what the other boy did. And, and the, the conflict is, is very real. It seems very true to parenting said Truman, the, the expert on these things. Um, (laughs) It, and and oh, this is also the first episode where we meet Trudy, where she comes on to uh, Tool Time under false pretenses. She's got <laughs> the rat that winds up biting Tim on the nose. And this sets up one of my favorite running gags where Tim, you know, Tim comes home with this bandage on his nose. And there's this whole, like, they have this whole argument about, with Randy, about, like, oh, you're not, you're gonna, you're not gonna let me drive at night? That's so unfair. Like, Dad, how would you let Mom t- talk you into this? And Tim just kind of goes, I got bit by a rat today uh, like he he keeps every time tim gets completely outfoxed in a conversation on this ep- on this episode he just falls back on i got bit by a rat today just don't please don't talk to me i've had so much happen and 
so a diseased tuber- tuberculosis rat. Yeah, well, a, a mesothelioma rat, which is at least not oh, contagious. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, it, it's it's about Jill again learning how to deal with her kids growing up. Indeed, a lot of the episodes that I've chosen are about this. It's a tour de force episode from Jonathan Taylor about. Thomas. It is what the show's about. Yes. But also Jonathan Taylor Thomas shows a lot of great range. He is angry. He's put upon in this. But then he uh, ultimately, after taking the car out after dark as a show of defiance, he comes back. He apologizes. He says, hey, I'm ready for whatever punishment you're going to give me. I mean, it's both of these episodes about the boys driving is about them becoming men in a really interesting and and fun way. So and Mm -hmm. and it's. I think part of why I like so many of these later episodes is because this is the age when the boys have really come into their own as performers. They can really carry an episode yeah. like this and do some – and they – the comic timing of both Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Zachary Ty Bryan in this episode especially is just perfecto. So I like it a lot, and you should too. <laughs> I do. I do like it a lot. Uh I, yeah, I mean, I knew it was one of your favorites, so I wasn't going to choose it. I, I mean, I don't have any problem with it. Uh, I think it's quite quite a good episode. Um, it just, uh, yeah, didn't didn't tickle me the way I, I keep saying tickle. Yeah, well, it did. You know, hey, listen. <laughs> well, this is your night to dismember. Uh, yeah, and that's that's fine. Every night is my night to dismember, Landon. Uh, also, qu- quickly, now you're speaking my language. A, a spectacular line from this episode when Brad is, or when Randy is saying it's so unfair that you're uh, that, that you're not letting me drive at night. Why? Why would you do that? I mean, like, weren't you guys allowed to drive drive at night when you were my age? And and Tim goes. Well, night wasn't as dark when we were kids, and everyone just looks at him and he goes, "What's well, because of El Nino?" Just big, dumb, benevolent force of nature. It's great. Uh, yeah, I remember they were. I think we even said it at the time. They were blaming everything on El Nino at that at, in 1998. Yeah, yeah. Well, and El Nino is is coming back around, and it sure is the the constant rain sure is ruining my apartment. So you can keep on uh, oh, keep boy. on blaming stuff on it. Okay. That's that's we're all. in the last season. We're in the last season, finally. How many episodes do you have for this one? I have two. I have two as well. Okay, all right. Uh, let's see if they end up being the same ones. I bet at least one of them will be. I hope. Um, I'm choosing the second part of a two-parter. Oh, interesting. And okay, it's, it's not it's not the clip show. No, I, from the long and winding road. Oh man, if only though, if only. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's your favorite album? And then you choose a greatest hits album. <laughs> what, what's my favorite album? Oh, it's all of them. It's it's a million way tie. The the so I'm jumping pretty far into the season. Uh, episode 19, Love's wow. Labor Lost Part whoa, Two. Whoa, dude, whoa, dramatic. This is good. Okay, go. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I I'm choosing the kind of counterpoint, not counterpoint, the the accompaniment to Taps. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This, I don't want to dwell too much on it. Simply, this is the top tier, S tier, whatever fucking pinnacle terminology you want to apply. Yeah. This is as good as sitcom acting gets. Yes. And I I even feel like I'm shrifting it by calling it sitcom acting. Mm -hmm. This is just plain, full out good goddamn acting yeah. on on Patricia Richardson's part uh dealing with a topic the first part is questionable yeah but this it's not one questionable really, it's bad we we this one we get it through her perspective it's a very unique situation i going to surprise you 
I have no personal experience with this. What? <laughs> I know. Jill getting a hysterectomy and, like, asking some of the questions that I think you would be afraid of. Now, I'm not going to dox anyone here, but uh, I was very honored that after doing this episode, we have had listeners share their experience with us. Yeah. And I was very touched by that. Yeah. And it it wasn't, you know, I think <laughs> because we we were, you know, able to talk about it on the air, but talking to the show touching on this subject and normalizing it to a degree, normalizing the fear, the questions that come with it, and Patricia Richardson embodying the the sometimes the absurdity of it, mm-hmm. the the heartbreak of it. Yeah, my God, when she's talking to her mom and it, it she finally Oof. stops like bargaining with herself and like this is the real deal. This is what I'm afraid of. Yeah, this is what it. I don't know who I am anymore. It's it's. I, I don't know how you write that mm-hmm. uh, in a goof 'em up grunting sitcom. But they did it, and yeah. I, I don't think they could have done the topic any more justice than they did. It, it, it's it's really impressive, especially coming on the heels of the episode before it, which is very much yeah. what you would expect a, a an episode about hysterectomy on home improvement to be. It, yeah, yeah it, it's, I don't know, and just the amount that I think even we just learned from watching it. I mean, you know, us as a couple of woke bay 21st century dudes, still, there's a lot, like, this is not stuff that men generally think about that much unless their partner is right. going through it. And even then, I mean, up until recently, maybe the man wasn't that involved in, in what all of it was or the emotional journey of it. I'm I, sure in many situations, they still aren't. I, just, and so to put this on primetime at, you know, in the late 90s, I think, I, I think both meant a lot to a lot of women who were dealing with that or who had dealt with that in the past. And I think it also probably opened a lot of men's eyes to what that whole process is like. And I don't know, I, in, in so much as an episode of TV can make the world a better place, I think it's shit like this that, that does it. It's, it's like, not only is it a showcase of incredible acting yeah. and a journey for these characters we care about, but it's, again, the, I think so many of the episodes we like are the ones that are about real shit. Not just like, what if I put right. a jet engine on a lawnmower, but like, you know, w- what if something happened in your relationship? What if someone you loved went through a really scary medical emergency that made them recontextualize right. who they were as a person? Um, Well, this is, you know, just to kind of balance the scales of what we talked about in the last part about examining, you know, what this show is said about or try to points that try to make about masculinity. I think what good this show does and and that we've lost by not having a kind of common ground show now that broadcast is gone yeah is that there's no impetus for conversations about specific topics you know like sometimes it's a little ham-fisted like the the marijuana episode yeah every sitcom has a fucking marijuana episode yeah and And it's it's like okay well (laughs) gather around the tv and start having your conversations about marijuana and this is your end nudge nudge wink wink and it's never an episode about how cool marijuana is and how (laughs) and how 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 awesome how awesome all of your creative ideas are after you use it no it's always how it's bad well i mean that i mean uh, that's where home improvement was a little bit different it wasn't that it was bad but anyway true true yes uh, I think we lost a little bit, and an episode like Love's Labor Lost is 
you know, like I think about when I was a kid and like I was exposed to this as a child and whether I understood what a hysterectomy was at, you know, what, what was this, 99? I yeah. was fucking, what, 16, 17? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I probably didn't understand all the ins and outs of it. Uh, but just to watch the fact that Jill, a, a character that I knew and loved over the course of the series, was was and could experience something that no one else in her family could and that no one you know except for her mom really understood it showed me that there there was a larger world beyond myself mm-hmm. uh things i had to to learn in the world and so much of the show risks <laughs> you know if it if it didn't do these th- these sorts of episodes these sorts of topics it would be at risk of just like breeding a bunch of tim allens but i i, I feel very uh, and I, I felt this from the very beginning of the show when we started doing it, seeing Jill out in the world with ambition, trying to, you know, get a job, uh, you know, going back to school, seeing her outside of the house and not just being defined as the mother was very impressionable on me. Yeah. And I, uh, that is something I'm very thankful for the show that I can walk away with uh, that I think contributed positively to my my upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the. Growing up with TV wasn't all bad. It did. It didn't only rot our brains. Sometimes it enriched them in certain ways while rotting them in others. <laughs> all right, uh, I've got one more, but uh, it's up to you now. Okay, uh, season eight, episode nine, Mister Likable, written by Adam England. <laughs> uh uh-huh. another al episode love it T- tim and tim and al get the uh notice from the ratings company or whatever that al's favorability ratings are off the charts and uh tim rather than being jealous and dumb about this actually decides to help al and help manage him and help kind of launch his career as a solo act tool guy personality uh and then this you know, eventually goes awry and leads to Al getting involved with the sleazy agent who books him in a movie with Morgan Fairchild, and Al is clearly not qualified to be an actor. He totally eats shit on stage. But um, <laughs> Tim is there for him to support him regardless, even though Al has spurned him. And afterwards, you know, Al is all dejected about what happened, but Tim is there to build him up and starts talking to him about other stuff they can do to kind of burnish his image and new things they can book him into. It's it's a very it's a very funny episode like there's a lot of there's a lot of good bits with you know uh there's just a lot of good one-off lines about about you know Al is going to be appearing at a at the christening of a slag barge and Tim talking about how it's the Cadillac <laughs> of trash or you know Jill Jill saying okay so you're you're planning out Al's entire future and yet you can't put your dishes in the dishwasher uh, yeah you know. um and it's it is it is funny, and the whole episode, again, is just undergirded by uh, Tim wanting to help Al. Tim wanting to do right mm-hmm. by his friend. So often on this show, Al is presented as a burden in Tim's life. And even in other episodes that I like, uh, where, you know, such as uh, The Dating Game, where Al is uh, a burden who has to be dealt with. But here it's very much just Tim loving his friend and wanting to help his friend out. And even when yeah. Al puts Tim aside for this agent... Tim not being selfish about that. Like he's angry, but eventually realizes, no, I need to, I need to be there for Al in this moment. Cause now is when he needs me the most. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's sweet. It's an episode about friendship, and it also is an episode that kind of deals with their level of small-time celebrity in a way that I feel like doesn't get touched on as much as I'd like. I mean, the fact that these people are local access famous, it's kind of cool to see an episode that touches on how that would actually play out in suburban uh, Detroit. You know, you're christening a slag barge because you're on tool time. So, <laughs> I, Mr. Yeah. Likeable, I like it. Perfect. Yeah. And you're a mister. I, well, yeah, that's that's also very true. Uh, okay. I, All right. I, I, I only, yeah. Actually, only other observation on that. I'm sorry. At, at the end of the episode, when Tim is watching Al get fired off of the Morgan Fairchild movie, there's this real look of concern in Tim's face for Al, like he's very clear, like, and going over to talk to him. It is kind of Mathazar scene in Galaxy Quest levels of Tim emotion. <laughs> Just it's like... The real concern and kind of hurt that he has for his friend. You love to see it. You love to see it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, all right. We've come to my final episode, and I'm, I'm wondering if it would be – you have one more episode. Yes. It would be so fitting if the final episode uh, we've chosen is the same. Let's just see. Is it? <laughs> Do you? Is it? Well, we haven't chosen any Wilson episodes oh, yet, and I feel like we need at least one. Yeah. Oh, man. Talk about it, man. Talk about it. I'm talking about Neighbors. Uh, <sighs> did you choose this one or no? I didn't, and let me tell you, oh. I've been sitting here this okay. whole time thinking, like, fuck, why? I, should I bump one of these for Neighbors? Because Neighbors is so good. And so I'm really glad. Uh, I'm really glad that you you did Neighbors. Well, let's talk about it now. Neighbors, directed by Patricia Richardson. The yeah. only thing she's ever directed, which is shocking to yeah, me. Yeah, I know. Great um, episode. Wilson uh, is taken to a Red Wings game for his birthday <laughs> by Tim and Brad. <laughs> this episode is so he, good! He, he, he inexplicably wins a $10,000 prize. It buys a lot of pudding. While, uh, while there, uh, through some sweepstakes. And decides he wants to spend that money building a greenhouse in his backyard. The problem being that the greenhouse would be a barrier uh, between him and Tim, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the fence and, and the backyard stuff. They couldn't go outside and, and talk anymore. Yeah, yeah. So uh, initially, Tim agrees to help uh, build this thing by, by having a whole tool time episode about greenhouses and turning it into a, a tool time project. And Wilson, he, he, Tim starts to change a number of things and, um, it, it pushes suggestions on him. And Wilson's like, no, 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 no. He gets kind of uppity and, and walks off and, uh, it, it comes out, you know, like there's more going on here than just uh, a conflict of how they're going to approach building this greenhouse. Yeah. Yeah. The way that it plays out is is so great because it, it comes it comes to, it takes the very end of the episode where they've gotten into this big kind of turf war over it until Jill finally realizes why Tim is doing all this and and gets Tim to admit it and and the kind of vulnerability and emotionality on his face is just beautiful. On Tim's face? On Tim's face, yeah. Or Wilson's face. Or, well, you can't really see all of it, can you? If, oh, yeah, only, right. if only they had him in some zombie makeup, then you could see his whole face. It was a skeleton. I, I came across the uh, uh, it was, it, Borland Ambition was mm, the episode. Mm, uh, mm. It was one of those non-Halloween episode seasons we had mm. uh, where he just showed up in a skeleton costume at the hardware store. <laughs> just, you know, just as one does from time to time. Skeleton face paint. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, this was one that I just – why I'm so disappointed that Patricia Richardson didn't go on to direct more, period, but didn't direct more of this show is – I, I know that at the time we were in direct contrast to the episode Tim directed, but um, she just – she had a natural talent for not telegraphing a joke and letting it just play naturally uh the blocking of scenes and being able to to balance a, a well-timed comedy bit with mm-hmm. like a strong narrative uh and not sacrificing one for the other. Yeah. It's just such a, a well-balanced episode. Yeah. Yeah. God this really should have been on my list. Fuck. We got to rework well, the whole hey, episode. It's on, it's on the grunt work list. It's on the grunt work list. It's on the grunt work list. I think also that it. I don't know. I mean, they they touch sometimes on the fact that you know Wilson is a widower, and I just I think this is such mm-hmm. you know it, it coming at the end of the last season, the way that this episode touches on the way he remembers his wife and how you know he wants this greenhouse because he and his wife had always talked about you know putting together a garden with plants from all over the world. It's it. It's it's both about Tim's relationship with Wilson and it's about Wilson's remembrance of his wife and I think that's that's really kind of sweet and thoughtful. Yeah, it is kind of like we we've heard about it numerous times throughout the show, um, but to, to have it come in as like not a tidbit but like the emotional punch to the problem, I I think is like a great way to honor the legacy of what they've done with Wilson over the years. And like, just remind everyone, this is more than a face gag. This is a a guy who's lived a life and, you know, loved and lost. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just such a well, well constructed episode on, on every level. The performing is amazing. The directing is amazing. The, the acting is amazing. I said performing. Yeah. The writing is amazing. Same thing. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just, I love it. It's just a great episode. What what episode number is that? Season eight, episode what? Twenty, I think. That okay. See, this is the thing. I'm going to give you my last one. I think that 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 is that is like a kind of a perfect finale to the show, really, of our of mm-hmm. our kind of bootleg order that you go in, because I think that that leaves you in such a really sweet and wonderful place. Because that episode has the sense of finality, because like every, you know, all of those episodes, it was kind of like, well, these are, you know, everybody knows things are ending, and and you can kind of feel that in everything about the show. I think that episode puts such a nice button on Tim and Wilson's relationship. Um, Man, we're we're getting getting to that point in the episode. Uh, My last pick, season eight, episode 10, coming before this one in the chronology, Thanks But No Thanks. That's oh, okay. this is because we didn't have any Marty episodes in there, and we love yeah. William O'Leary. And this is the episode we where we didn't have any Thanksgiving episodes either, which are also kind of big on the show. I had the I had the the uh, the wood, the bad, and the hungry for a little while on there, and I ultimately cut it because that ep- episode. What do you say? No, a uh, that is, that is it's a Benny episode. I agree. Benny's in this one too. Sorry, dog. Um, but he's not. The, he's not the episode. I know there were a lot of reasons I cut that one. This is okay. the episode where, in the lead up to Thanksgiving, we learn that uh, 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 Marty and Nancy have split up, and Marty is living at the uh, living at the hardware store. He's trying to keep this from Tim, but Tim eventually finds out what's going on. And Jill, 
you know, he's he's really mad about it. He's mad that, that Marty hasn't told him, and Jill says, no, you need to be there for him. You know, the, he's in crisis. He's your brother. Family has to support family. Tim goes to the hardware store. They have this very emotional yet funny heart-to-heart that is such a showcase of both of their great acting that zigzags between very dramatic and very funny. And Tim offers to let Marty and his daughters move in with him and and the rest of the family. And then, you know, Tim goes from this scene back to the house, tells Jill and the boys, I invited Marty and his daughters to move in with us. And Jill and the boys are like, the fuck you did? Wait, what did you think? <laughs> I, I think I think back to back, two of the sharpest, best written scenes in all of Home Improvement, because... Jill and the boys are really angry. Jill sends the boys upstairs, and Jill is just haranguing Tim about this. And it's like, Tim, you didn't think any of this through. I'm going to have to do all this extra work. Who's going to look after the girls? I don't know. Well, you know what? I, you know, are, are they going to have to have their own rooms? Where Where Brad and Randy going to sleep? I don't know. Uh, all of these things, and then it's finally, finally, you know, it's just she's asking him all these questions, and Tim's going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. When are they even getting here? Ding dong! And Jill just like freaking out, and Tim running to the door and just motioning for her to smile, smile, faces up. Right, put a happy face on it. Tim has gotten himself into deep shit because he did something really generous and dumb as opposed to something really selfish and dumb. And again, yeah. this is the this is the kind of masculinity and battle of the sexes shit that I really like the show to interrogate because this is typical man shit, not thinking a thing through fully, not be not <clears throat> looking at the details, acting rashly, but in this case it's like doing it because you're there to help out your family and wanting to help someone who you love. Um the the a, a a weak point to this episode is that there are a couple scenes in the middle where it relies heavily on Marty's daughters who are not great on yeah. camera. It's yeah. just it's it's hard and I for a while watching those scenes I was like, wait, does this episode lose it here? But then as but then when Tim has taken the girls on tool time and they've been a big hit on there, and then Marty gets really upset that like, well, wait, Tim and Jill are better parents than I am and he and Tim have this big fight. He tries to to leave with the girls, but Tim goes and confronts him on Thanksgiving night at the hardware store, and like, right, yep. And, and it's just it, it's this it's this is you know Tim and his brother, and and like the the relationship between Tim and and this is an episode where like Tim is calling out Marty. You know, Marty's talking about how hard it is for him and how Tim doesn't get it because Tim has this perfect life, and Tim is like, "Fuck you!" It was really hard when our dad died, and I had to raise you and our other brothers, and and. I don't know. It's it's a really, I think, affecting look at family life. It's a window into sibling dynamics that you and I never had to experience. And um, and and also, you know, it's it's a testament to the power of communication. And then also, uh, <laughs> the stinger at the end of the episode, Tim goes into Wilson's basement and, oh shit, it's a huge cavern for some reason. No, it's that episode. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> So that's that's my that those are my twenty episodes that seem to be wholly different from your twenty episodes. Shit, we yeah we ended up with like thirty eight episodes. <laughs> wow, I thought guys. we would at least have. I thought we would at least have half of them be the same. No, maybe not. Maybe not half. Maybe at least a quarter. I thought would be the same. The, the, we we really surprised ourselves, didn't we? We thought this was not going to be as much of a thing as it was. Yeah, uh, crazy. Well, I'm going to put this up on the site. I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited that we have our own, like, because I, I feel like I'll use it myself. Yes. Like, if I ever get nostalgic for grunt work, uh, 
I can use that to go back and listen to those episodes. Uh, or if I want to actually watch Home Improvement and forget, you know, some of the, the titles that stick out aren't the episodes that are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so now I'll have that like, oh, yeah, these are the ones that we decided this is the best of the best. And um, uh, I, I, selfishly, it, it's going to be a resource I utilize moving forward. I, I Look, I, I think uh, the same because you highlighted a lot of episodes that I had forgotten and not considered. And, and I want to point out one other thing. The whole reason we did this is because somewhere in Season 8 – one of us or both of us were saying like, oh, man, out of all home improvement, maybe there's like one good season of TV in there. Bleh. We just proved ourselves wrong. There's like yeah. two seasons of bangers in this show, like way more than and 10% like, of the episodes are great. And I would say there's like another season of like episodes that are at least half good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, episodes like At Sea, where literally half of the episode is good. I <laughs> There you go, yeah. So, did we just discover that Home Improvement is actually kind of a good show that we like a lot? <laughs> at, the, oh. at the finish line. Yeah, yeah, because there's not going to be another episode after this one. This is very much our last episode. We have discovered that we, are act- that we, we were falling in love with Home Improvement all along. <laughs> So we, we, we swore that this wasn't going to happen, but uh, we regret to inform you. Swore. You swore. I didn't well, swear. I, I sw- you're, you're right, because you know us well enough not to do this. Uh, folks, <laughs> and the swear you say is, fuck, fuck, why uh, this again? <laughs> <laughs> we, we just, we just, uh, we realized that the best way to see this show off is to not podcast for five straight hours. So we're going <laughs> to leave it off there for now. We're going to come back to you next week with what we promise and very sincerely hope will be the actual final episode of Grunt Work, a podcast about the TV series Home Improvement. The end? Question mark? 